Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there will be spoilers for any and all anime series. If there is a series you haven't finished yet, please use caution. And finally, the opinions expressed belong to the participants in today's episode and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Now that I've got that out of the way... Today is my birthday, and I feel like being a little selfish. So, what episode should we have? I'm not really in an action mood, so that's out. And I don't think I can handle something fanservice today, either. Maybe something with a little mystery? Yeah. I think that'll be good, but what show? And actually, why do I feel like I'm forgetting something? Something, something rather important. I think this is a job for the detective squad. I should give them a call and see if they can help me remember. Okay, guys, give me 15 seconds and I'll be right back. Then we'll have to... Greetings, gentle listeners, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of young detectives gather and solve the mystery of the latest and greatest in anime English dubs. My name is Stephanie, and tonight my colleagues and I have reunited from the Rombo Keaton episode to form the now titled Dub Talk Detective Squad. I'm joined by Jet, Gigi, and Andrew. Elementary, my dear Kudo. I am here tonight to help solve the mystery that is, how come the opening of the show sounds suspiciously just like Sorario Days from Gurren Lagann? That is not why we're here. You go sit in the corner. I'm in a corner already. You can't stop me. (laughs) This is like, uh, don't tell me how to live my life, bro. I'm just here for the goth lollies. Don't tell me how to live my life, bro. Um, So, what mystery awaits the detective squad tonight? Well, it's a long time coming, but we're here to discuss the English dub for the series Go Sick, the 2011 series from Studio Bones, and one of the many mythical dubs of 2017. Ayo. (laughs) Because let's face it, we have this, we have Hyoka, Anohana, Haikyuu, uh, dear God, what's going on with this year? Actually, that kind of segues into my history with this particular show. Uh, back when I first discovered anime on the internet and anime streaming, I remember explicitly three shows I first watched on Crunchyroll when I got, like, a smartphone. Uh, one of them was Working slash Wagnaria, the other was Nichijo, and the third one was Gozik. So I watched this like as like a few days apart from when it premiered in Japan. So I watched this six years ago and hearing this got dubbed again. This has been interesting revisiting the show to see if I think it still holds up or not. My thing is, is I tried watching the show while it was on Crunchyroll years ago. The problem is it got removed from Crunchyroll because of the whole Bondi thing before I could finish it. <laughs> 
So I know. So this is actually my first time watching the entire show. But anyway, if you haven't heard of this series before, Gosik takes place in 1924 in a small, made-up European country of. God damn it! What's the name of this country? Sabior. Sabior. Sabior, because it's spelled very differently in this summary. Uh, the story centers around Kazuya Kujo, the third son of a Japanese Imperial soldier who is a transfer student to St. Marguerite Academy, where urban legends and horror stories are all the rage. There he meets Victorique, a mysterious yet beautiful and brilliant girl who never comes to class and spends her days reading the entire content of the library or solving mysteries that even detectives can't solve. As always, we're going to be covering the cast of the series, mainly those relevant to the main storyline because there's way too many characters to keep track of. We'll cover the casting as well as our thoughts and feelings on the performances, giving a full review of this English dub. We've gathered all the fragments of chaos, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then let's look into our wellspring of wisdom and unravel this mystery, starting with the ADR director, lead writer, and script writers. Script writers, plural, as in we have two. So, I'm going to go backwards with this because I have a story on the ADR director and it's going to be fun. So, the script writers that we have attached to the series, we have Jessica Cavanaugh, who has written scripts for Sakura Quest, Rampo Kitan, ironically enough, and Fuka. And we also have Nikki Schultz, who has written scripts for Castletown, Dandelion, New Game, and Overlord. The lead writer for this series is actually Josh Greeley. Now, the only other lead writer credit he has is for Overlord, but he has written scripts for Castletown, Dandelion. And even if there's an episode in the future for this and I'm spoiling it, I don't care because I saw this and it was funny as hell. JoJo's a, a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stardust Crusade. What? Really? Oh wait, is he? Legit. I honestly didn't know he was doing Stardust Crusaders. Thank you for telling me. Look, sexy Josh just got a whole lot sexier now that he's writing JoJo. <laughs> All right. So, the ADR director. The ADR director might kill me by telling this story, but it's funny and I love it. So, back in February. This individual reached out to me, uh, letting us know that they liked what we were doing with the podcast, they've been watching it, and this person was actually one of the first ones where we were really like, oh crap, voice actors are watching our stuff. And while I was having these early conversations with this individual, they just casually mentioned, you know, I I believe I have a home video release coming up that I'm directing that should be announced soon. I hope you guys get to talk about it. So, of course, I tell everybody else in the main chat, and it gets set on fire with speculation. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. When we get to conspiracy, I remember surprise, this. Surprise. When we get to conspiracy surprise, theories, surprise. we go fucking nuts. <laughs> it goes great. So, I think it wasn't even a week later after this. It was at least a couple of days. Funimation posts on their Twitter that they haven't announced it that they're going to be, t- that they wanted a tease for. And they were going to announce it the next day. Their teaser, and if you are familiar with the art style of this show, is a very close-up picture of Victorique, just the lower part of her face, and she's holding the pipe towards her mouth. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, of course, because of the conversation I had with this individual, (laughs) the chat gets set on fire again. (laughs) (laughs) And we're like, oh my god, is this person directing Gosik? So... 
The next day happens, we learn that Funimation has acquired the license for GoSick. We don't have a cast list at that point. I go to this individual, and because I know NDA non-disclosure is a thing, I wasn't I wasn't gonna outright ask this person. But you were gonna damn well try. <laughs> I was Steph gonna has, do it in. Steph has been being I was the gonna biggest work. tease all day with all of this <laughs> stuff that's Hold going on. Hold on, I'm not there yet. I'm not there all yet. All right. So I go to this person, and I say to them, "If this is the show you were talking about the other day." Bravo to you. Thank you for setting the chat on fire twice. The response I get this from this person. They decide to play ignorant, play dumb, and tell me they don't know what I'm talking about. However, the way they do this is by also posting victory gifts and lots of them. <laughs> like the troll that this person is. And then ever since then, uh, there have been a few occasions where I, I, where this person has asked me when we're going to talk about it, because they really loved this, working on this show and really wanted to see us talk about it. I think the man has been patient long enough. The man has been patient long enough. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. I think we have to end this episode. Bye, guys. Bye. No. Love your faces. <laughs> we're done, right? We're here. <laughs> we're doing this. Say the name. So, the ADR director of GOSIC, and I think this is the first time I'm going to mention this too, and also one of our honorary Dub Talk members is Mr. Clifford Chapin. Oh, right, yeah. The, the, this, 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 this bastard. This name sounds familiar <laughs> to me. I'm not sure if Gee. we've ever done anything of his, or, hmm. I don't know. He, he's probably okay, <laughs> I guess. Who knows? God damn it. So if you haven't seen anything that Clifford Chapin has directed before, he has been the director for series such as Allison's Oroku Planetarian and the first half of Yona of the Dawn. So starting off, how do we feel about the directing and writing of this series? All right, there's a couple ways I could go with this. I'll say for the most part, I think the script is pretty solid. Uh, uses a lot of variations of other languages, European history and all that, but... It's a pretty straightforward mystery script. I like a lot of the character interactions, dynamics, and of what little I remembered of the show from six years ago, it all seemed pretty accurate and on point in terms of characterization. Yeah. As far as directing, there's a lot of interesting performances throughout, and some, some hit, some not so much, but all in all... There's a lot of interesting choices that were made, and whether or not I think or we all think they worked, I'm genuinely kind of intrigued and impressed at how this sort of came about. Like, this isn't a this isn't a list of actors I'd usually all see on the same project, and I respect right. that. All right, who wants to go next with their thoughts? So I generally like Clifford Chapin's work as a director. And while we haven't always gotten to work on the best stuff, looking at you, Divine Gate. Uh, don't remind me. Uh, okay, and uh, don't, don't worry about it, Seth. We, we suffered through <laughs> we that together. Suffer. We suffered together. We, we have, like, PTSD over Divine Gate. It's great. It's not your fault, Cliff. It's the show's fault. Okay, uh, so even putting aside everything with that, show i think this is easily the best thing he's ever done and i was really impressed that everything here turned out mm -hmm. 
I really appreciate how wide of a net he spread with all the casting choices, getting Funimation regulars, Houston folks, Cali people, and even a New York voice actor. And while I might have a nitpick or two, I can happily say that just about every performance here felt pretty spot on, and it all came together like a really polished product. I also really like the script, and uh, Jock Skrill's track record has also generally been pretty solid. And I really dug how he gave this one a lot of pros to match the time period and I'm going a little too overboard with that. And it really kind of helped to draw me into the atmosphere of the show. Uh, so overall, I have no problems with the show on either of these accounts, and I'm really happy with how everything turned out. So kudos to these two gentlemen on their fine work. Okay. Gigi, did you want to go next? Do you really want me to? Yes. It's okay, Gigi. <laughs> We talked about this. We did. We've had many discussions about this show before recording. Um, yep. I guess my biggest problem with the writing in this show is that some of the episodes, they feel like they're very heavy with t period dialogue. And I mean, like, time period dialogue. Like, the prose and everything is very prosy it's very 1920s um while other episodes don't sound that way at all and they sound like they were just recorded last week you know what i'm saying like mm. i felt like there's a, one episode in the middle i think it's episode 12 that felt like a filler episode where um where they're Goth just they're where just Gothali's sort of up in the tree yeah, yeah. where Gothali's up in the tree and uh that episode every word out of every character's mouth felt very very period to me but then some of the earlier episodes and some of the later episodes they didn't feel like they had that kind of sense of time in them like that old okay. you can tell the time period sense from it so I was I was kind of confused by the writing in that sense other than that I, I I don't know if it was the different writers on the staff that was that made it kind of confusing to switch the tones all the time because there are filler episodes and they're they're funny and cute and then there's like scenes like the Christmas party that's super funny and cute and then you have something in the same episode that like flips everything on its butt and turns it around. So the tonal shifts I felt like kind of thrown out of my element but that's not the writing in the English, it's not the English that's writing's the fault. Itself. It's the yeah, show it's itself, the show. which Okay. Don't even get me started. But <laughs> we, we're not we, here to talk about the show. We're not here to talk about the show. It's fine. We're not here, we're not to, here talk to talk about, about the show. show. Gigi, stop it. Um, <laughs> so um, for directing wise, um, okay. props to Cliff. Props to Cliff for getting actors from all over the country to voice characters in this anime. Um, some of the casting choices, I think, really, really worked. And in my opinion some of the casting choices really really bombed not due to acting ability or anything just me i feel that i he put a lot of work into this i like i just i feel that with all the characters and having such a big cast you kind of have to put a lot of work into this and i right. i'd read on twitter that he'd been working for this on this for a year and i was like holy crap like that is such a long time to work on one show but with a show like this that's very period and has a lot of dialogue and has like a mystery to unravel like i'm really happy with all the work that he put in because this could have been a throwaway 
it could have been right. a th- it could have been because. a throwaway. Funimation could have not had faith in it, and they could have given it a betrayal knows my name release. But we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> we're not talking. We're not that. talking about that. Um, I'm curious to as to a lot of things. Um, but most of it has to do with the show itself and has nothing to do with the dub, the directing, the writing, or the acting. Um, I think he did a solid job for what he was given. But my one thing that I have, and you knew that I was going to say it. Oh, no. Here it comes, because this is Gigi, and we're going to talk about accents. Okay. I was watching a review. It's Royal Tudor all over again. I was watching, like, a review before... Um, I was watching... Um, Arcada's review, Glass Reflections review, um, before we did this episode. And he had brought up a good point, um, if this were to ever get an English dub, because he made that review years ago, um, that it would be a good place to show off a bunch of different European accents. And you know me, I don't like accents in anything. If one person gets an accent, everybody has to get an accent. So good on you there, because no one has an accent. However... Everybody who pronounces Cujo's name has it with a soft J sound. So it has like the French hint of an accent. So instead of Cujo, it's Cujo. And I just, I wonder why that choice was made. And that's the one thing I forgot to ask. Did you forget to ask that? Oh, I did this segue so well. It would have segued so well. Anyway, I was setting you up for that segue. Okay. Sorry, my um, Yeah, but that was my that was my thing. And I know that this is a made up European country, but they speak French, and the writing is all in French. Love and Rose. sometimes when they're trying to speak French words, they speak them with the French accents. So I just I I want to know why Cujo has a soft J sound. I'm dumb. I forgot. That to seems ask like that a question. That's a, that's like seems like a minor thing that I genuinely that's didn't notice. Thing. But it honestly bothered me through the whole thing. It's okay. like the soccer torta thing. <laughs> okay. I, I mean that's just you being very nitpicky about pronunciation. I, I'm sure there was a decision or like, I just, here's, I, here's I, another I thing. Here's like, another thing. Uh, I feel like this would be a yes. good platform to do accents, and there were no accents. But I hate accents, so that's fine with me. Okay, so just to, just to reiterate, you hate accents in anime, but you thought this would have been a good show to have accents in. But you hate accents, so you're glad there's no accents, but you're a little annoyed that there also are no accents, which you hate? No, I'm not annoyed. <laughs> Everything except that last part. I'm not annoyed that there are no accents. I just want to know why there's one word that has an accent. Okay. Good to know. All right. <laughs> oh, my <But> God. <laughs> I just set you up for a segue. Now you have to delete, like, half of that. <laughs> it's fine. We're good. We're good. No, Fuck we're... it. We'll do it live. Steph, how you doing? <laughs> Fuck it. We'll do it live. Maybe I'll get an answer after this episode goes up. Sweet deal. I um, don't. I don't mean to be nitpicky. It just it bothered me through the whole thing, and I wanted to know why. No, no, no. It's totally fine. I mean, it's no, but I feel bad like, because we all know that people like to point out things that I say, certain things and certain words. <laughs> oh, let's not talk about that. I'm not. I'm done. I, I really, I really, I really like the direction, mostly, except for casting choices. Look, just just okay. know, Gigi, we are your friends, and we will bust your balls whenever we feel like. But we will be the first to defend you <coughs> from anybody that tries to give you shit. Remember that. You 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 do you, you do you. I'm done. Um, so my thoughts on the directing and writing. Uh, now that Gigi actually says it with the writing, 
I I didn't notice it before, but now that you say it, I can kind of see what you're talking about with some of the episodes, like having writing that's more like a period style writing, and then some episodes where it kind of loses that. But overall, the writing, I thought it was phenomenal. I mean, again, this is my first real watch through of the show, unlike Andrew, so I don't have... The Jap- I don't really have the full Japanese to fall back on and see how faithful it is, but I'm going to assume it's very faithful, because uh, reasons. And then on the directing front, I think when we all saw the cast list when this came, when the cast list was announced back in February, uh, we were very, very surprised <laughs> at what was going on with this cast. So, like everyone else is saying, props... Props to you, Cliff, for going, like, spreading a wide net, casting at wide net, and going all out with this. Um, Because I was actually, a little bit earlier today, I was asking a few questions to him uh, and seeing if he could give some insight as to some of these things. Um, And in terms of the casting, he had mentioned to me that he was fully aware of how important this show was. Not only, not only because of the fan base and people liking it, but the fact that this show had never been dubbed before. So he wanted to do right by it, and so he basically cast this wide net. He got auditions from all over the place, uh, and as we keep going with this cast, we're going to be seeing some of those choices come in, and we're going to be having some fun talking about them. Uh, so... I fully, in in this case, I fully agree with Jet. I think this is probably one of the strongest shows that I have seen Clifford uh, direct. And for me, that's saying something coming from someone who has basically watched every single thing that he's directed that's been released this year and have enjoyed every single one. This one is probably my favorite so far. And I know... He he very much enjoyed working on the show, and he wanted to put a lot of tender, loving care into it just to make it right. So good on you uh, for doing that. And yeah, uh, any other thoughts on the directing and writing before we move uh, on? I don't want to say that this is my favorite thing that he's directed this year. There's one or two others that I'm personally more passionate and impressed by oh, this is most but, this, but, but, this but, is but, mostly but, my favorite because i okay sorry but i was going sorry. to say okay. thank you uh i was gonna say this okay. is absolutely of the things that have come out that he's directed this year his most ambitious project bar none yes it's oh, for really sure. really interesting absolutely. and i'm genuinely impressed like i i think sometimes like we complain about like typecasting or certain things like being safe or whatnot there's so many weird odd things in the show that aren't safe or just completely different in terms of casting where it's like it's the kind of thing where it's like you can i can nitpick about things i didn't like about this show but even then i still genuinely respect like the decisions that were made because i wouldn't see this also the benefit that this wasn't a simul dub that you really could do more with it that i genuinely respect so yeah what i was trying to say a second ago when i was being mean to Andrew and interrupting him. Mm. The only the only big reason why I, I think this is probably my favorite thing that he's directed this year is because I am biased as all hell 
and I like my mystery, okay? That's totally, totally fine. I like mystery and horror is my jam. If you don't know me by now, then we got a problem. Um, <laughs> any other thoughts before we move on and start talking about our characters? Oh, yeah, we got a lot to cover. I just want to say... There's quite a bit to go through. At some point, we should probably just, like... Because we're probably going to mention a couple of notes that Clifford has given us at some point. We should just start making up yep. things that he's clearly said to us. Wow, it's amazing that Clifford Chapin, the actor for Bakugo, has said that Deku is the best character in all of My Hero Academia, <laughs> and he deserves, <laughs> and I quote, all of the bitches. Oh. Dude. <laughs> Dude, Cliff, I hope you fight Andrew Hardcore on that one. Deku for life, uh, fucking you fight me, fam. Fuck you. Let's fuck you. Fuck you, fight me. I hope Clifford bitches at you. Okay. Um, so moving on to the characters. Again, like I said in the beginning, we're going to be really sticking to plot-relevant characters because there's a lot of different little mysteries that take up like two, maybe three episodes at a time. Uh, I ended up getting rid of a lot of them and really just try to stick with the ones that would be relevant for the main storyline. The first four we're going to talk about, these individuals we meet after the Phantasmagoria and Cujo and Victorique are on the train ride back to St. Marguerite Academy. Uh, this is... It's, about... Let's call it Diet Pussyfoot. <laughs> what? <laughs> the... The flying pussy no, from no, Bakano. I've still never pussy. seen not Bakano. The yeah, okay. You need to fix that. Not, you need okay, to fix listen, that, first listen. of all. Not flying pussyfoot, diet pussyfoot, a.k.a. pussyfoot light. No, I was, light. Trying to get, I was trying to get Gigi to get the reference, but she's never seen Bakano, so that flew over her head. So the first four characters we're going to be talking about, these four, basically the story of this is they're on the train, they're headed back to the Academy, and... There is, throughout the course of the show, there is this memento box that two sides are fighting for. The Academy of Science and the uh, Ministry of the Occult. So we have the Scarecrow, the Orphan, who are on the side of the Academy of Science. And we have the Knight and the Lumberjack, who are in line with the Ministry of the Occult. Um, and basically the main story of that episode is they're fighting for this memento box and victory and Kujo just basically magically become involved because of reasons so i'm gonna work backwards with this the lumberjack is being voiced by mr seth mcgill who has been in series such as dance of devils prince of stride and shonen maid chris rager voices the knight who has been in series such as aka 13 maria the virgin witch and toriko Amanda Lee is the voice of the orphan, and she has been in series such as Show by Rock and Rio Rainbow Gate. She's actually still relatively new. And here's the fun one. Because on Twitter, I think when the second half of the show was released on home video, Cliff himself was like, I'm interested, like, publicly. He's like, I really am curious to see what kind of guessing game for the Scarecrow will happen for so, Do we get to give our guesses now? Oh, balls. I want you guys to guess who you think the scarecrow is. Uh, Felicia on Jill, because that was the single credit name in that episode. My guess was Ra is Rachel Robinson, because it sounds a lot like Rachel Robinson. Okay. And I, I don't know girls, so my guess was Cliff's mom or someone's mom. 
and and or relative or girlfriend wife i somebody who's not a real voice actor was they're my pet guess. corgi they're pet no corgi. i just i thought it would be funny pomeranians the, the pomeranian, pomeranian choir, choir. <laughs> all right no where are you going again? so here's so here's the thing did he tell you he couldn't tell me okay so this was actually one of the first things i asked him about because um not because andrew brought up the fact that felicia is credited in the episode along with these other three characters and then i thought it was rachel robinson and what last night when i was prepping this a bit more under ann rachel robinson is uncredited for the scarecrow it's neither of them okay here's here's the thing Cliff couldn't tell me who plays the Scarecrow because the actress asked not to be credited ah. as well as union guidelines. Ah. Oh. So we, so we okay. do not know. We do not know who voices the Scarecrow. What I do know and what Cliff was willing to tell me is that we actually have talked about this person before mm-hmm. in a previous episode. And that she is very well known for voice acting not only in anime, but in American animation as well. Okay, that gives me two guesses. That's all Noah? I know. <laughs> Noah? That's all I know. Okay, that, that rounds out to literally and... everyone we've ever fucking talked about. I'm going to, <laughs> I know. I'm going to guess Carrie Walgreen. Okay, yeah, I'm probably going to go ahead and say Carrie Walgreen too. That was my guess. My mind immediately went to Laura Bailey. That does not actually. That was that was not Laura Bailey. I I it was like a to minute. To be fair, that was not. To be fair, to be fair, I think I watched that episode last week, and my brain is partially dead right now. Um, so for the sake for, for out of respect and for the sake of the voice actors involved, we obviously are not going to be talking about the voice actors in question. Uh, so. What I'm just going to do is refer to her as the actress that shall not be named. <gasps> we wasted your time with the suspense. It's still a mystery. Try and solve it, <laughs> champs. Let's go. <laughs> so uh, now that we know who our four actors are slash mystery person, uh, how do we feel about these performances? I know this is probably going to be a really brief section. I liked Chris Rager. Too bad he died. I like Amanda <laughs> Lee. Too bad she died. Too bad she died. <laughs> Seth McGill was neat. I guess he lived and he won an umbilical cord. Good for him. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, uh, so as far as these characters go, they were just kind of there to die, I guess. Um... I thought the orphan was cute, uh, so I have really. She was very cute. I was extra sad she died. And I like Amanda <laughs> Lee. I want to hear her and more things. Yeah, I thought all of these performances were very nice. I, <laughs> I slightly wish we got to see Seth McGill's character since he is the one that lived. And it's only because there are a few other characters who you would think would just belong to two or three episodes in a little story, but no. I'm surprised he's but not a crying no. wolf or was not established as a crying lo- wolf. He looked exact. Wait, hang on. Is it, Are they called crying wolves or... Wait, something wolves. Gray wolf? Gray wolves. wolves. Why do you think crying? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, he I, he was a blonde, so he could have also been a gray wolf, though they didn't establish yeah, that. True. But that's another thing. True facts. Anyways, true moving on. Facts. Who's next? Um, 
So no, 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 no. Hold on. I got to talk about my girl, I, I Amelie, like, who. I was like, any other thoughts before we move on? Yeah. So first of all, I got cock blocked by my inability to read again. Oh, no. Because really? I thought the scarecrow was the orphan. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there trying to figure it out. And here's the coolest thing that that I could muster. I Uh-oh. thought this was Jamie Markey doing a really great job to not sound like Jamie Markey. Nope. <laughs> Good job. I, I heard Jamie Markey a little bit in her voice. I okay. fucking loved it. Like, I, w- I wish I could hear more stuff that she's been in. I hope she does more stuff. And I love her. Yeah. S- I love her covers. Like, everybody I mean, does. She has over first- a million subs. I'm about to say I've never heard any of her covers before, but I think now that I say that, it's gonna change because Gigi's gonna flip her shit. She will. Um, Chris Rager was funny. Seth McGill was normal, but he was a dick. And the scarecrow, I obviously thought was Cliff's mom, so I fail. <laughs> and the orphan girl shot a gun to my heart, and also to her everything. Also to bomb explosives, because that was a cool sequence, I guess. So moving on, the next four characters. Uh, they are pretty relative to the storyline very early on because they are from Victorique's, uh, not necessarily hometown, uh, but her mother's hometown. Her heritage, if you will. Her birthright. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the correct phrasing. So we have Mildred, who, who initially, initially Cujo and Victorique meet her, uh, back in town. And she is a nun. Lo and behold, she was born and raised in this village. Uh, and she ends up going back to that village conveniently and coincidentally at the same time as Cujo and Victorique. Um, we have Hedman Sergius, uh, who, of course, is the headman of this village or kingdom. We have uh, Ambrose, who is part of this village as well. Um, and he's kind of a relatively decent-sized character for this little storyline going on. And we have Harmenia, uh, who is a maid and works for the headman. And we have spoiler warnings for a reason. So Harmenia is the, story- the most innocent person you'll ever meet. <laughs> so innocent. Shut up, you fucking liar. Nothing. I don't remember <laughs> no. who this is. Uh, she's the crazy bitch. I mm. the crazy bitch. She's the crazy bitch. Okay, the crazy maid. Here's the thing. So Victorique's mother Cordelia, whom we'll talk about later on, she is exiled from the village for supposedly murdering the headman. It wasn't Cordelia who murdered the headman. It was Harmenia. Gas. Oh. Who could have foreseen Ta-da. such an outcome? I'm shocked to find Ta-da. gambling in Casablanca. <laughs> what? Anyway, what? the, the that was a reference very few people are going to get. That's the whole thing because even Casablanca. I, who went to film school for a year, still refer to Casablanca as the movie with a plane. <laughs> That's great. I've never seen Casablanca and I've been meaning to for forever. Anyway, the individuals voicing these characters, Michelle Rojas is the voice of Mildred, who has been in series such as Assassination Classroom, Kiss Him, Not Me, and New Game. Arbor Sp- Elliot plays our headman, who has been in Case Clothes, Sergeant Frog, and Drifters. Surprise, motherfucker! We have Lucian Dodge as Ambrose, who has been in series such as Fate Zero, Sailor Moon, and Charlotte. And Colleen Clunky Beard is the voice of Harmenia, who has been in series such as Dagon Rapa 3, Drifters, and Garo, the animation. For, for Colleen, I tried to pick some crazy bitches. <laughs> so Brothers <laughs> Conflict wasn't crazy enough? Brothers Conflict wasn't crazy enough. Anyways... 
crazy as in mental. Okay? I know. All right, who wants who wants to go first with their thoughts? Uh, I will go first. Um, right. Michelle Rojas plays the hottest nun who's not really a nun, but <laughs> also, did she actually grow up in that village? I thought she was just sort of like a police informant for uh, dr- drill hair. Uh, his name escapes me. Ooh. I th- Shoot. Grayville? Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah, I, I, You're right. I forgot she's also a police informer. I want to say it was both. I, we'll see. She she wasn't she wasn't blonde, so I didn't think she was raised there. I thought she was just visiting. Uh, our- well, to be fair, there is another red-headed character we're going to talk about. You're right. Okay, you're right. You're right. We'll, to be we'll fair. get to that. To Anyways, back fair. to my thoughts. Uh, Michelle Rojas, I think, does a really good job at playing, like, the most I-don't-give-a-fuck- nun girl ever but she's pretty cool and she's spunky and i like her and she cleans up very nicely uh, our bruce elliott uh he does a very good job at being the old wise elder man and he does a really good job as being the creepy creepy uh love tester man from god himself i described it as uh the jesus love test machine is what he was is like because basically, oh the two of them... He's the one, he's the one who gave the prophecy about both Cujo them, and Yeah, the Victor crazy Rick. fortune teller. Because both of them ask, yes. uh, will we be together forever? Like, the dumb little people who don't realize they're totally in love with each other is like, there will be a great wind, but your hearts will yes. always be as one. Anyways, thank you for coming. That'll be 350. Um, <laughs> it's very true. As for Ambrose... God damn, Lucian Dodge is so fucking good every time I hear him. Um, he, this, honestly, he, he doesn't get much to do in this quote-unquote mystery. He does a much better job right. in Danganronpa V3. Won't be the last time I bring that up, by the way. Uh, but I like the oh, fact that Lord, Lucian Dodge he gets a chance to do things it's in a Funimation end-up. He has a very good voice. He does a really good job mm-hmm. sounding like the innocent, pure boy who can do no wrong. And I liked... He, he got out of the village, and we never see him again except the last episode where he realizes he's tripping balls in the fairy tale books waving goodbye at him. That's so funny. I like that scene. I was like, what the fuck did he take? What kind of drugs is he on right now? Fucking opium fucks your shit, man. Anyways, <laughs> speaking of fucking your shit up, Colleen Clinkenbeard is the single... Okay, there's a couple of mysteries in this show. Some of them are better than others. This is the one where it's straight up... You know it as soon as you see this character. It's so, like, some of them, they try to be mysterious. This one, first thing you see this character, they're screaming at me like, the sins have come to cleanse me. Like, bitch, just turn yourself in already. Fuck. Also, also, how does she take uh, not being executed? I'm going to run away. Also, I'm going to light this town on fire, I guess. Because the bitch is insane. Okay. We've established Colleen this. Colleen does a good job at being it. insane and crazy, but literally that's the only thing that's interesting about this character is that she's insane and crazy. Oh, my God. All right. Who wants to go next? In, okay. Uh, so as far as Michelle Rojas goes is Mildred. I like I liked her fine. I thought Mildred was pretty interesting as far as the whole, like, spy angle went. Um our Bruce Elliott as the headsman, well, he does the whole, like, wise elder thing pretty well, and he did that pretty well here. And I really liked the whole prophecy bit. I thought the way he hammed that up was hilarious. That was kind of funny. 
Okay, and, uh, and as far as Lucian Dodge goes, I mean, I like most everything Lucian Dodge has done, so I was pretty happy with how he did here, and I thought he did a good job of making Amber sound kind of, like, innocent and naive. <sighs> someone just, someone just give this man a lead role, like, please, seriously. This is Jet's Jet. Hashtag Lucian Dodge as lead 2017. <laughs> I've been on this crusade for like five years now. <laughs> you should play the Don Europa games. He plays a fat otaku. It's the greatest. Oh, wait, wait, wait. He was. He, was he? He's Ifumi in the games. And. I forgot and about in that. And in Ropa V3, he is the best- I only know him as Kibo. He is my robot son! I love Kibo! <laughs> he is my robot son! Kibo is adorable! I love Kibo, he's adorable! Ah! That's a- I'll say okay, this, sorry. That that is sorry. a better mystery than this entire story arc. Let's get- let's- okay. And <laughs> then for Colleen Klingenbeard as Harmedia, uh, like- Andrew already said, like, the second you look at this chick, you know she's guilty, like, there's no way you can mistake that. Uh, so Colin Clickenbeard did a good job of signing Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, I guess. And, uh, like, I thought her whole, like, reason for, like, being crazy was kind of interesting. I, I want to I mean, live forever! I'm gonna murder a man! going to die in 26, that might make you go crazy. I don't know. Yeah, that was the thing. Oh, what? that was her? Yeah. That was what? her. What the yeah, fuck the, did you think was the, gonna happen? The, re the, reason, the reason why, just for context for people, uh, the reason why Herminia commits the murder of the Hadmen uh, several years ago, and it frames Cordelia. Uh, she received a prophecy stating that she wasn't going to live past it was 25 or 26. 26. 26. So, she, she in her brain, she figured if I kill the headman, I'll be safe. <laughs> and, um, Bitch uh, falls off a goddamn bridge. But you can, you see, Harmenia is the nicest, sweetest person. Just every now and then she screams. Oh, who are she you screams at night terrors and then chants to the devil. You know, the sweetest person. Who the fuck are you <laughs> fooling? Okay, anyway, Gigi, how do you feel about these performances? Um. <laughs> now that you know who Harmenia is. Well, um, um, full disclosure, I noped out of this arc completely as soon as one person opened their mouth. Um, but I remember the old creepy fortune teller guy because he was in a lot of flashbacks. Um, he was significantly creepy. So good for that guy. Uh, Michelle Rojas, I don't remember at all. Colleen, I vaguely remember now that you're saying that she uh, was the crazy girl who wanted to live past 26. Because I was like, life goals, girl. Hashtag life goals. <laughs> I mean, I still have another month before I turn 27. I'm hoping to live past 26, too, and I feel you. Look, when you, when you, you get your Are you going to jump off a cliff? No, I'm... Oh, my God. Look, when you, when, you, when you get past your 20s, you just want your life to be pretty lit, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <sighs> Fuck me. All right, so before wow. I... And the zinger, guys! Before I quickly touch on this... This Lucian Dodge kid plays the blonde kid, right? Yes. Yes. Not the little kid who's a street rat, but the other blonde that, kid. We'll get to that. This is when I noped out. I'm sorry. Really? Everyone involved. He sounded like a robot. And I couldn't take it. 
and that that was the point where I was like, huh. mm, I I don't know what's going on, and I need to, I'm going to wait to find for some something to happen. Of his you'll like because they they exist. I, there was are... he in Hunter Hunter? <laughs> That's the big question. <laughs> well, here's here's my thing. It has nothing to do with acting ability. Some voice actors, to me personally, have a voice that I don't care for. His acting ability was fine. Um, this I would like to call the Cynthia Martinez effect, which this episode has gone up before this one. I know it will. Um, where if you sound like a robot, there's some kind of twinge in, in a voice that makes it sound very strange and robotic to me. And I can't, I don't, I just personally, it, I don't like it. Um, and unfortunately, it was this character and after that i was just like i'm gonna wait for something cool to happen and luckily that cool thing was cordelia so man the choice of words for sounding like a robot after i praised him for being my robot son (laughs) is amazing oh does he actually play a robot he actually plays a robot in the new dog and robot yes does he sound like this he's a very good boy uh, he actually sounds really good in it too, by the way. As as this being the only named role I think I've ever heard him in, I can't say anything for any other roles because I don't remember, or I just haven't straight up heard them. Okay. Um, Have you watched Fight Zero? Hell no. Okay, damn. He's he's just not a character she cares about. That's we need to find something say, with character she, she cares about. I'm about to say because if she's seen Fate Zero, fucking Weaver. GG, quit being robophobic. <laughs> You know I don't <laughs> like robots. Uh, she would be a terrible character in Daigon Rampa if there was a Kibo there. Kibo, please don't bully. So please don't bully my robot son. But yeah, no, it's it's cool. You just didn't you just didn't like his delivery for that particular yeah, character. It's I fine. Mean, I mean the the act the acting was okay. I just I couldn't. The voice wasn't what you were thinking. Yes, bingo. Okay, I'm done. Thank you. Okay. Sum it up right there. Case closed. Um, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> this isn't the right show. Even though Arbor Sally wasn't the show. Anyway. Do you think more seasons um, of Case Closed are going to get dubbed by never. Funimation? Oh never. My God. <laughs> Fucking never. Do not open Here comes that Hardy can with of his worms. knives. Do not. Do not open that can of worms, <laughs> you fucking bastard. Get out. Bye. Okay. I've been waiting for that all night. No, you have to stay because we need to talk about your best boy. Oh, yes. Okay, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Go ahead. So Sorry. Go stay. ahead. <laughs> You're not going home yet. All right. So I think between these four characters, I actually enjoyed them all. I mean, at this point, I've heard Colleen be crazy as all get out. So um, here her doing it more. Um, what's the right way to put it? I think there was a lot more urgency and maybe like... I will, maybe schizophrenic is the correct term to use here to describe this type of crazy. Um, but yeah, it worked really nicely. Uh, <laughs> Arbor and I'll agree that the prophecy was funny. I loved it. Uh, and for a headman who not only cares about his village, but um, wants to keep the traditions of his, his village or kingdom and um, very, very sheltered, mind you, uh, it works really, really well. 
And then, let's see, Michelle, Michelle is Mildred is a fun one. I've been enjoying Michelle Rojas more and more lately. It's it's definitely a fun one. Uh, Lucian Dodge is obviously the surprise one here, because um, I don't... Somebody else might remember this better than I do. I don't recall Lucian Dodge being in a Funimation dub. I don't either. That's pretty awesome, for one. Um... I, I can slightly agree with Gigi. I think starting out with the performance um, for Ambrose, the voice wasn't what I imagined it to be. Uh, but by the end of that little arc, I actually grew into it and I enjoyed it a lot, uh, a lot more. And Ambrose, Ambrose is, Ambrose is a sweet, innocent child. Okay, please. Please don't ruin his hopes and dreams no for the world. Please don't bully. Gigi, no bully my robot son. He's not a robot son in this case. I'm talking about Ambrose. Don't ruin his hopes <laughs> and dreams. God damn it. Because all he, he wants has is acid to just fever dreams, damn it. <laughs> oh boy, I want to know what he's on You're by the end of that. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But um, overall, I did enjoy these four uh, performances, despite maybe a little bit of um, issues starting out with them. And we get to move on. Cool. Gigi, we got your street let rat Luigi. Yeah. So, uh, Luigi, these three characters, essentially, they come in um, in a little bit of a storyline where Cujo is gone to this bigger city to, I think he was, was he running errands or was he, he trying was going to find sh- a present? He was trying he was to going shop shopping. for a present. He was shopping. I like to call this arc, Cujo goes yep. to the mall. Cujo goes through the um, mall and then occult uh, occult human trafficking uh, bullshit happens. This was a good arc. I liked this arc. It is. It was a really good story. I like this one, yeah. Um, So Luigi is this little kid. He's been living on the streets for pretty much all of his life. Uh, but, But for Luigi, he's actually very, very observant. Like, he pays attention to a lot of details, and he's very good with numbers and days and things like that. That is a photograph. So that is a photographic memory. There is physically no yeah. way you can do that without this kid being a photographic memory. That Like, they never Having say it. Memory. That's yeah. exactly what that is. Basically, yes. Um, and he actually helps Cujo and the police in solving this mystery about this. Because the, 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 mis- the main mystery of this is there's a bunch of missing girls that have been disappearing. Then we also have Jacqueline de Signor. Um, she she comes into the picture uh, because she actually knows Greyville, uh, Victorique's older brother, whom we're going to talk about later on. And Jacqueline is actually the love interest of Greyville. However, she's married to Superintendent General Signor. Uh, and he runs a police force in that district. So basically he's the one in charge of the police investigation uh, with these missing girls. And that's how we bring in Jacqueline and how she's introduced. And we also actually find out because of Jacqueline, she's essentially the reason why Greyfield has his hair in a big ass fucking drill all the time. Uh, Cause Jacqueline, before she got married to the superintendent, she was actually accused of murder. So Gravia went to Victorique for her help in order to solve the mystery and in exchange, the hairstyle. Mm-hmm. So 
And just as a side note, Jacqueline does not know that Grayville is in love with her. So, the individuals voicing these characters. As Luigi, we have Miss Brittany Lotta, who has been in series such as Alice in Zoroku, Rio Rainbow Gate, and Hina Logic from Luck and Logic. Anastasia Munoz is Jacqueline, who has been in series such as Yomangan, Overlord, and Shiki. And then we have Brandon Potter as our superintendent, who has been in series such as Black Cat, Ghost in the Shell Arise, and School Rumble. Who would like to go first with their thoughts on these characters? I'm just going to say straight up, I honestly don't actually remember anything about the superintendent himself. He sort of existed as, oh, I guess he's married to the girl that uh, Graveel's in love with, so that's a thing. But Jacqueline herself, I actually really enjoyed her character. I forgot about her, mm -hmm. like, almost completely, but she was a fun character to see around. She had good spirits, and she was genuinely hopeful. I actually really liked her interacting with Victorique, and that was a whole fun sequence, where it's like, we're, they were just donating books and just reminiscing she was a fun character and she also eventually later on goes to sponsor luigi uh who is a street rat at on well the streets well, and yes. okay uh Brittany lauda as luigi was very interesting i'm not as familiar with uh britney lauda doing a lot of uh young boy voices yet at this point but I think she does a really good job at doing this spunky little kid who knows everything about the streets. And it was genuinely interesting watching this character interact and was basically integral to solving this mystery because he's like, I know exactly, he basically knew exactly when everybody went missing. And the reason he knew is because like the investigation and he remembered exactly when people were swiped off the streets. Uh, Anastasia, Munoz, Anastasia Munoz, uh, I think adds a lot of charm and fun, like free, free, like free will, free fun and style to Jacqueline, and I enjoy her quite a bit. Uh, she also gets a little emotional near the end when it turns out uh, her childhood friend sort of realizes he's a bit of a kiss ass to Daddy Black Magic, but that's another story for another time. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed Brittany and Anastasia. Uh, Brandon, I'm sure, did good as the superintendent, the superintendent, but I really don't actually remember anything about that character. Okay. Um, so as far as Brittany Latta goes, like, I'm not too familiar with her stuff, uh, but I thought she sounded fine, and I mean, I thought Luigi sounded, like, yeah. cute and everything. He was pretty interesting, I guess. Um far as Brandon Potter goes, he was just there, I guess. His character existed. I mean, but hey, it's Brandon Potter. I like Brandon Potter fine. So if Brandon Potter just has to exist, I guess that's okay. And then uh, Anastasia Mudos as uh, Jacqueline. Yeah, I like Jacqueline a lot, too. I thought she was like uh, I thought she was a pretty nice character. Like, I liked the whole peppy attitude and uh I, I really felt for Papa Norcoon and his whole, like, unrecorded love. That, that kind of sucked. Gigi? Audrey! Luigi was Audrey. That made me happy. Um, my note for Luigi was, the one kid I didn't want to punch in the face. <laughs> <laughs> that you says a lot! You know what? You know what? That's a good, that's a good note. I mean, like, there were a ton. I felt like a strange little auxiliary characters and especially like the ones in the school and i know they're a little bit aged up but i was like man i don't like any of these extras walking around and then i saw this little blonde kid and i was 
I was iffy because didn't this come after the thing we just talked about? Right? Yes, I believe so. I was iffy because it was another little blonde kid and I, the characters kind of mesh together for me and I was like oh god he's back and then it was too like too many blondes little blonde kid too there's many too blondes. many blondes too many blondes the, that's that's the whole thing they're basically like uh the the Xerxes from uh Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood actually speaking of which that's gonna be really funny when we talk about next section anyways um yeah so I really liked You're her right. performance there I was like good on you girl I was like this is great. I am so happy that I like this child because I have a, a a bad bad history with wanting to punch tiny anime children in the face. I don't know. <laughs> not, oh God! Not really. I don't. I'm just talking out my ass right now, guys. Um, <laughs> Jacqueline. Um, something I'm gonna bring up later is uh, she actually sounds her age. She okay. she okay. sounds very age appropriate for her character. I really actually liked this character. Um, however, I didn't like her enough to realize that she was married to the other guy um, who I literally saw in the second to last episode because for some reason Funimation took down the last one, which I was going to use to write my notes and uh, whatever. Um, if, to him, I just wrote unmemorable. Apparently, that seems to be the consensus. Um, but I really like Jacqueline. I thought she was gonna make out with blonde space dandy at the end of this so um i'm just gonna live in my i'm just gonna live in my fan fiction go sick (laughs) thing um and that's 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 it i really like jacqueline like no i'm really i'm really excited that she sounded age appropriate which is so hard to do in anime i feel it's so hard for characters to sound age appropriate um and this one did and also luigi sounded age appropriate also so i think it's I don't often hear Anastasia play the spunky, lively, energetic characters, and I wish I could hear her do that more. Cause I, I too love Jacqueline. She was, she was just full of energy, full of life, and she could almost do no wrong. She's like an, she's almost like an innocent, sweet, innocent cinnamon roll. Uh, too good and pure for this world, uh, except for the fact that she did get accused of murder. But. <laughs> Which, by the way, the murder how it was set up, the motive apparently had something to do with her hamster dying. The supposed motive and reason why she was being accused, which is so fucking dumb. It's like, why do you think it's her? And it's about a fucking hamster. (laughs) Steph, all the mysteries in this were like either a completely off the wall stupid b i could solve in 30 seconds or c made absolutely no sense i mean i love mystery but come on yeah (laughs) even i'm just like i'll I'll, I'll agree with Gigi. the one on the boat was really interesting the one on the boat i solved in three seconds oh my god fair enough okay there's a couple of mystery okay there this is a mixed bag there's a couple of mysteries and story arcs that i think oh these are actually pretty decent but i will agree that there's a couple like the the village of the gray wolves and especially the one about how she was accused were definitely more than a little bit silly yeah but i really did i like anastasia muñoz uh jacqueline she was definitely a fun character from that little section and I'm glad that the character got to come up again. Same with Luigi, because I love Brittany Lotto's yeah. Luigi. And now that he's growing up into a good boy, he grows up into a good boy. 
he grows up into a very good boy. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, now that I'm slowly getting more of a handle on Brittany Lotta and her range, it's definitely very enjoyable to see her come in here. And also worth worth noting that this was probably before she like moved down to Texas area. So you would be correct, was... actually. Um, you would be correct on that. This was before she was recording for uh, Luigi before she moved to Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brandon Potter, Brandon Potter is Brandon Potter. I usually have no problems with Brandon Potter, um, but like I do agree with you. The character's not really that memorable. He does, in fact, lead the police force, and he is, in fact, married to that woman. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, do we think we're going to move on to our next set of characters? Yes. Let me let me say something. Let me say something first, Steph. Okay. Um, <clears throat> um, Gigi, you said by the end of the show you were wanted uh, Grey Veal and Jacqueline to start making out and stuff but you were disappointed to find that they were married, correct? Well, I just figured that out now, so yes. <laughs> yes. Well, here's the thing. They can still make out, but there's some noticeable consequences that could leave with lead to that scenario happening. So let's move on to our next set of characters. Okay. Ooh. Oh, I know. I I'm, had to work that way. I, I don't know get it. So, okay. So we have King Rupert de... Gerard? King Rupert. King, King, King Rupert. Rupert. King Rupert. King of Sabior. Uh, we have Jupiter Roger. We have Jupiter Roger. Ru Jupiter Roger is in charge of the Academy of Sciences. Uh, and he, that memento box that I mentioned earlier where the first set of characters, it actually belongs to him. Now, the reason why everybody's fighting for this so much is because it holds a very, very important secret that could really shift the balance of power. His umbilical cord, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, <laughs> Steph, please. I worked that segue. Let's talk about who I'm really excited to talk about. And then we have Leviathan. So Leviathan, there is essentially where these three characters initially come up. There is this story about this alchemist named Leviathan, who Victorique discovers his memoir in the library, and which which is, is pretty funny, by the way, because he's challenging the reader to solve his mystery, and Victorique just takes it as a personal challenge. <laughs> First it's of like all, the story with Leviathan is he wants to be found. He's this alchemist who I'm trying to remember the story. He's this alchemist who used to live in seclusion, but was ended up invited to the palace um, to act as an advisor of sorts to King Rupert. However, after he was seemingly supposedly exposed as a fraud and a bunch of other politics and what do you do? He ends up leaving is deemed a traitor. He runs away, but he ends up killed. The true story of this is, though, and it becomes very pertinent in the last third of the show. Leviathan is African-American. And Leviathan had an affair with Rupert's wife, Queen Coco. 
and they had a son. Which led to maybe a case of, you know, blind, Murder. murderous rage. Murder. You know, it happens. Yeah. Just, just, just relationship issues. Yeah. But the big thing is, because the last third of the show is centered around... Solving a, the murder of Queen Coco, Coco Rose. Coco Rose. Um, and there's this play that goes on that kind of depicts the events that happens. However, of course, Victory solves the case. Um, she explains what goes on. And Jupiter Roger is actually one of the individuals who helps cover up this murder um, in order for King Rupert to not be persecuted for it. We, we could we could talk about the actual plot of this for a while. This is there's a lot I'd going say, on with this story. I'd arc say in of all the side stories going on in Gozik. I think the story of Leviathan, as well as the murder or case of Queen Coco Rose, is actually some of the show's best. Yes, Barna. Absolutely. It's it's genuinely interesting, and like you get a really good feel for who Leviathan is as a person, and like his actual like relationship with these characters. Yeah. Not only that, you get to meet a. Uh, a character we'll talk about in a little bit, but that's that's he meets he meets the young culty version Ooh, of we'll of, get to him. We're gonna yes, get but, to him anyway. So who's voicing these characters? You may ask. So King Rupert is being voiced by Sonny Strait, who has been in series such as es the new Escaflonida from Funimation, uh, Fullmetal Alchemist, and because we're the Detective Squad, anybody remember Rompo Keaton? Yes. And Sonny's character from that. Oh, he was the million faces. Yes. Oh, the one that I didn't think was him. Jupiter Roger. I'm. This is probably very easy casting, but personally, I think it works wonderfully. Kent Williams, who has been in series such as Soul Eater, One Piece, and the Heroic Legend of Arslan. And I had to add Arslan in there because it's so funny. No, you should add Full Metal Alchemist into there, too, because he straight up looks just like the Elric brothers. No, oh, but dude, it's... It's funny because Kent Williams' character is the father of Cliff's character in the heroic legend of Arslan. Ah, okay, uh -huh. okay. Relevant. Uh, and then for Leviathan, we have Ray Hurd, who has been in series such as Overlord, Tokyo ESP, and One, fi uh, One Piece Film Z. That is a mouthful. Uh, and One Piece. And One Piece Film Z. So who would like to go first with their thoughts on these three characters? I'll make two of these quick. Uh, Sunny Straight. He's really good. He's really fucking crazy and really shooken up as a man that did a bunch of shit and he's taken advantage of for that. He does a good job, though. Also, he does not understand personal space. <laughs> when, like, no means no. No, please do not take off my mask. No, please do not stab me. Dude, if you gotta we, learn no dude, means no. We don't we can't talk about personal space until we get to the next set of characters. Yeah, 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 I know. Can we talk about yeah, personal dude. space there? Who oh, needs boy, personal okay. space? JJ, uh, let need me finish. Personal um, space. Kent anyway. Williams, Kent Williams. Uh he does a very good job sounding like authoritative, but like he really knows a bunch of shit's going on, like he's in control of things. Uh, he sounds like Kent Williams, and I think he does a really good job at being Kent Williams in voicing Jupiter Roger. I really want to talk about Ray Hurd, because he is not a name I really see around often, yeah. but I've heard him in a couple performances. Yeah, uh, he's, especially, he, he hasn't done a relative... relative he's, the, he's, he's done a couple... Actually, so he's still fairly he's, new, but he's been around for at least he, a few years. 
He's done a couple, but he's done some very noteworthy ones. Right. One of them being that he is not Jeff Goldblum, uh, one of the three <laughs> Navy admirals in One Piece, and he's really notable in that, as well as like a guy from Grimoire Hearts in Fairy Tale. I want to mention this because he. There's something about his voice that's like very strong commanding but also mysterious with this like a sensitive side he brings a lot to the level of this character like that mm -hmm. he's putting on an act but he genuinely really doesn't want to hurt anybody like he's frustrated there's a lot going on with this character of leviathan and i really feel like this is something we don't get to talk about a lot in regards to anime but the idea of race yeah. For this particular character and this particular casting seemed very critical. Like, very mm. critical, intentional to me. And I think it it helps elevate this particular story. Because there's a, like, there's a strength to it, but he really adds a lot. And I was... I really... It's not a voice I hear often. And... It really stood stood out to me that I understood exactly what he sounded like. That he was very like he didn't really want to hurt these people. He didn't really want to like have anybody die. But in general, he wanted to gain power, and he used literally the blood money that was stolen from him that he knew where it was because he was just some body thrown in a grave that wasn't actually dead. Yeah, Leviathan's and, story is very tragic and on multiple levels, and it's, it's very, very sad. intriguing. It's very interesting, and then he fall he does fall in love with the queen, who really does believe in this his magic. He finds somebody like their kid genuinely trusts and believes him, and he feels bad about what happens because he flew too close to the sun, and then he has to deal with the shitty cult guy who thinks his stuff isn't more than parlor tricks. And his story is really sad, and I like the contrast of the tiny like how opposites are kind of connected mm -hmm. where this very tall menacing figure is basically being understood and he's being understood and studied by this tiny little like a uh, gothic lolita child with very like dull like white skin right and i like the concept of race seemed important for this character no no are you having a fire drill you I'm having a fire drill. No! Good. Go have no! a fire drill. Keep recording. I have to pee. Yeah, keep recording. We'll take a break. Just just keep everybody recording. You just you evacuate, dude. Oh, this no. This is actually the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning off my mic. I have to turn off my mic. I'll talk to you. Okay. Hopefully I'll be back in 20 minutes, maybe. Oh, my okay. God. Okay, good news, people. I'm not dead. This building's not on fire. But I can endorse that Ray Heard I was very impressed with as Leviathan. And I know my rambling was cut off short, but no, seriously, he's one of my favorite surprise performances. I think he's great. I'm going to catch my breath now and try not to hyperventilate. Because I'll you ran this eight on. flights of stairs. As soon as we let, we were let in, I bolted that shit and ran up eight <laughs> flights of stairs. That's how dedicated I am to you beautiful sons of bitches. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a few minutes. Okay? Take, take a minute. Take a minute. Who's going next? Who's going next? Okay. Um, well, Sunny Street, not playing a squirrel. 
So, <laughs> A plus. Not playing exposition mascot. Not not playing an animal mascot. Um, I can like I remember him in the last episode. That's the only episode I remember him in, and unfortunately. Like I said, when I went to watch it, Funimation took it down. I don't know where it went. Um, who the hell else are we talking about? Jupiter? Kent Williams? Yes. Not Sailor Jupiter, correct? Not Sailor Jupiter, no. I, I was hoping for a crossover. Is this the guy who looks like Armstrong, like a skinnier Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist? Yes. All right. Uh, I would say more like a Hohenheim. Okay. I didn't have anything to say about him, but I was just curious if I could make that connection. Oh, but Leviathan, though. <sighs> Leviathan, though, he's mysterious. He's deep. He's creepy. He's powerful. I'm 100% in. I am all aboard the Leviathan train. Can we get a choo-choo? Choo-choo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can I can add him to the list of people I would really like to hear more of, um, especially boys because my list basically consists of boys um but no <laughs> oh, like Lord. i really i just i i liked that he was telling like this story like from the little book that he wrote i thought it was funny that it was a pop-up book too um but i just i wanted him to read me a bedtime story like rayhard can you do that mm. are you on audible like because i'm down yes yes I, I i really liked him um he actually if it weren't for his voice, I wouldn't have paid as much attention to this arc because it's basically a kind of fucked up Rumpelstiltskin. Don't tell me I'm wrong because that's what it is. Um, and I was like, okay. So um, if you weren't there, I couldn't get behind this as much as I did. So I'm glad you were there. So thank you for being a friend. So with Sunny Stripe, for the longest time, you can primarily hear him as more of the goofy, fun characters. And you kind of rarely hear him as a very like a straight serious more dramatic character and i i pretty i really enjoyed him here as king rupert um because king rupert's story is fairly tragic and it's very interesting to see sunny play out this story and this character art going from a well-respected well-loved king who has this guilty conscience going all the way to oh my god my advisors have abandoned me i have no one left my people hate me what am i supposed to do and it's a very interesting transition throughout the character arc and his performance kent williams i said this at the when we brought into the section it's a very interesting choice and it seems like a typical choice that you would make but i love it Kent Williams is Kent Williams. I typically have no problems when it comes to Kent Williams. But, again, going into Ray Hurd, though. Because the only role that I know him for that I've heard at this point would be Overlord. Um, so it's very interesting to see him go in and come in and play more roles. And like Andrew was saying before, we, have, we always have the very rare discussion of race coming into anime. Because the thing is, how often do we see African-American voice actors voice anime? Honestly, I don't think it's that, very, it's that often. And given the circumstances of Leviathan's character and his background and his story, which is a very, very tragic story. It's one of the most tragic ones of the show. I honestly think 
Ray Hurd amplified it. He not only portrayed the tragic story very well, but like Gigi was saying, he was very captivating as the narrator of the story that Victor Reek and um, Cujo end up reading throughout the throughout that the course of that little arc. So, props to Ray Hurd. I thought it was a very enjoyable performance, uh, and I also would love to see more things from him in the near future. Jet. Do you want to go into your thoughts of these three characters? Okay, uh, so far as uh, Sunny Street as the king goes, I guess, uh, I mean, I thought it sounded uh, pretty good. It's always kind of interesting hearing Sunny Street do more uh, serious roles compared to the kind of things he normally does. And as far as Kent William goes, uh, funny enough, I was actually complaining a few weeks ago that it had been a while since the last time I really heard him in anything, and then here he is. Surprise! Um, Surprise! <laughs> uh, so anyway, I really enjoy his style of performance, and I was very happy with him here, and I thought Jupiter Roger was a pretty interesting character. Um, I liked his whole weird dynamic with the king and how he played him and the whole, like, being a gray wolf thing. And I mean, well, he yeah. wasn't exactly, you know, like a good guy or anything. He was uh, certainly a heck of a lot better than Albert, I will tell you that. Oh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> oh. Mm. <laughs> okay, and then as far as Ray Kurd goes, uh, this was my first time ever really hearing him in anything. I mean, okay, well, I guess I did hear him in Fairy Tale, but I didn't really know that was him, and I wasn't paying that much attention, I guess. So, uh... Okay, uh, so for the first time, like, that he kind of stood out to me, uh, I really like his voice, like, it feels naturally powerful in a way you don't see much in newer anime these days, and it really did a lot to sell the vibe that as a great alchemist, even if that whole bit was technically a sham. And I also really liked the whole Leviathan story, like, I thought the twist was really neat, both from a storytelling front and also for how it tackled the... A whole issue of like racist undertones in early 20th century Europe uh, because yeah if you have like a little mulatto baby that's uh, not going to go over well with people in that time period yeah. uh, okay uh, so anyway I was like really impressed with this I was really impressed with Ray Hurd's performance and I really hope I get to hear him in more things soon cool Are we ready to move on I am uh, I was very impressed with this story yeah. It was really good. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, good. the Leviathan story is very, is, I think, is probably one of, like, I think someone was saying this earlier, it's definitely one of the stronger arcs for the show. We can move on. Oh, boy. Can we move on? Is oh, it time? no. Yes, it is. Is it time for Gigi Jowie Corner? Yes. Oh, God. Yes. Fuck me. I'm, I need more liquids for this <laughs> section. Fuck <laughs> Well, that okay. sucks. Please continue. I'll be back in a second. So while Andrew's going to go get some more water, the man ran up eight flights of goddamn stairs after a fire alarm, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let me introduce you to Albert de Blua, who is the father of Victorique and Greyville. We have Cordelia Gallo, who is the mother of Victorique. And then we have Brian Roscoe. Brian Brian Roscoe is an interesting character. So Brian Roscoe is this illusionist who um, has a thing for Cordelia. And uh, basically, he throughout the series, he's essentially been helping Cordelia uh, make sure that Victorique is safe. 
And um, Roscoe's double your pleasure. Very reluctant. Well, I would only say I would only say half reluctantly. They're identical twins. Double GG's fun. So that's remember, people. One is the loneliest number, but two can be as bad as one. Oh, mm. And you so, know I like bad boys. <laughs> God damn it. So let's talk about your bad boys, Gigi. Yeah, um, finally. So Brian Roscoe. Brian Roscoe, both the twins of Brian Roscoe are voiced. The, the other twin doesn't even have a name. He's just the other Brian Roscoe. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. It's fine. He so, doesn't need a like, name. He has nothing. He has nothing to distinct him from. Like, oh. seriously, just a fucking pair of sunglasses so you could do Brian Roscoe. No, there is a clear the difference. There is Brian a clear Roscoe. difference, and I will talk about it. There is a, okay. there is a difference. Okay, do tell, we'll do have, tell me. Please we'll, continue. Please we'll continue. have fun with this conversation. So Brian Roscoe, both Brian Roscoes, are voiced by Robert McCollum, who you have seen in series such as Death Brave, My Hero, Academia, and Terran Resonance. We have, as Cordelia, we have Miss Elizabeth Maxwell, who has been in series such as Noragami, Attack on Titan, and New Game. And as for Albert de Blua. <laughs> oh boy. So, here we go. Oh, I don't know if anybody's ready for this. So, I am. I'm so ready. So, here's the thing. There are two voices for Albert. We have a younger version and an older version, though primarily we're going to be talking about the older version. The younger version, just to give a shout out and credit for, um, he the younger version of Albert is voiced by David Matronga, who has been in series such as My Love Story, Lift Us Chevalier Day On, and Diabolic Lovers. But the older Albert, the present day Albert, oh, sweet baby Jesus, we have David Wald. The fun police! The fun police is here. And he's been in series such as Fairy Tale, Garo the Animation, and the Royal Tutor. So he's another goddamn dad. And (sighs) my god, is this one the most twisted one I have so what a dilf could, no 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 here's the thing and i was thinking of this earlier he could give shao motherfucking tucker a run for his money as worst dad jesus christ he fucking could because let's face it let's let's face it while shao tucker may have done some crazy shit to his wife kid and dog fucking albert kidnaps a woman and i'm sorry he rapes her. He there, rapes there, her. There's no undertone. He straight up rapes her. He, he rapes her just to have a baby, to have the Grey Wolf blood. I, I'm sorry. I think we have a contender for worse dad. It's not Shout Tucker anymore. It's this motherfucker. Okay, Jack can go first. What do you think, Jack? Okay, uh, so as uh, far as Elizabeth Maxwell goes, I mean, I like Elizabeth Maxwell's voice a lot, so I was pretty happy with how she did here. Um, I thought he did a pretty good job of being, like, got the whole, like, uh, mysterious, kind of alluring vibe. And, uh, I really kind of liked her whole, like, story with how, okay, with how she just kind of came around to wanting to protect Victory and all of that. And I, and I really kind of like how they portrayed that bond. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um... Okay, and, uh, far as, uh, David Wald goes, okay, I don't have too much here to say that other than Albert is a scumbag who I wanted to see Lars into the sun. <gasps> what? <laughs> you want to punch him in the face? And, uh, David Wald played that level of villainy to perfection. 
I've always kind of enjoyed his work when it comes to playing suave or sinister characters, so I didn't doubt he'd deliver. But he really brought his A-game on this one, and it really reminded me of why I hated this guy back in 2011. So, thank you, Damon Wald. Your ham was much appreciated. <laughs> Fucking. Okay. <laughs> and then for Robert McCollum. Uh, Robert McCollum is one of my favorite voice actors, so I'm pretty much uh, always happy with his work. And uh, sure enough, he did a great job of playing the whole Mystery Man routine. And uh, while I dug his performance, I did have my problem with the character himself, or should I say characters, because uh, I really don't get the whole twist on him with twin. It doesn't make much sense. It contradicts some of the stuff he saw beforehand, and it ends up completely changing the whole dynamic between him no. and Cordelia. Because before, it's kind of like this whole, like, tragic romance where he was, like, really into her, but then she got taken away by this other man and had this child, and now every time he sees that child, he's, like, reminded of her, but he still wants to be with her, and it's, like, really... Okay, and it's, like, really kind of sad, and then they change into this whole, like, crazy anime soccer nonsense because twins. <sighs> it was so stupid. Here's the thing, and I can't, and this I kind of want to segue into my thoughts going from there. Um, with Brian Roscoe, and I feel like I know where, what Gigi wanted to bring up, and I'm sorry if I'm bringing this up early. You can at least tell in Robert's performance and the personality, the two Brian Roscoes. Yes. I mean, it wasn't really enough to like completely derail the show for me, but it was a really bizarre whiplash and. Yeah, I was not a fan yeah. of that whole bit. I know, I know. I mean, <sighs> if the actor didn't try, there's no way to tell. Yeah, no, that's I not mean, true. But I mean, okay, here's the we'll thing. We'll get to that, Gigi. Here's the thing. Plot-wise, I understand how you feel because it can contradict some things. But we kind of got to remember that one of the Brian Roscoes too. You can tell that he's definitely very infatuated with Cordelia. Well, they both are. Um, he's very infatuated with Cordelia. However, he's a more gentle and soft kind of person. Yes. Compared to the other Brian Roscoe, who this mostly comes out um, when they rescue Victorique uh, from yes. her father, and he's take and this Brian Roscoe is taking Victorique away in a carriage, and he basically goes nuts, and he's pissed. He doesn't understand why this little girl means so much to this woman that he cares about. So you can tell the two distinct performances. And I think the big thing to remember is we got to remember that the more gentle, soft-spoken Brian Roscoe is the one we see more often with Cordelia compared to the other one. All right. I, I have a lot to say, too, so I want to hear your thoughts on the other two and move on. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth Maxwell's Cordelia. I loved it. I mean, I didn't think... Elizabeth Maxwell could play a gothic Lolita, but Shelby Rock was also a thing, and those characters are rather short in stature anyway. But um, Cordelia, Cordelia is probably one of the other very tragic characters, and especially when you see her backstory, she goes from being exiled from her home village, or home kingdom, to working as a dancer, uh, on roller skates, mind you, uh, at this theater, to being kidnapped by this crazy motherfucking man, to being forcibly, I don't even, well, I don't even think they were even married, basically, to being raped, to giving birth to this child that she wasn't intending to have to be 
begin with and then just trying to protect that child that she cares about because the big thing with Cordelia is she feels like she kind of lost her soul and it was passed to Victorique. So she wants to protect her soul and if she she feels that if Victorique is dead, then Cordelia is just gone. So I can understand what she's going through and Elizabeth Maxwell just portrays it so, so beautifully and it's just so well done and then oh what is, what is there to say that we haven't said about david wald ever really um i want i want to punch this guy in the fucking face no he deserves it and you know it he deserves it gg <sighs> i'm sorry he deserves it and Similar to what Jed was saying, it's a testament. I love it. Here's the thing I love. When you want when you get me to want to punch you in the face, you done good, sir. Because you made me believe that this piece of shit is a piece of shit. And I, it was just a perfect, phenomenal performance. I think it was so slimy and like, uh, I wanted I just uh there were moments. And I know Gigi's will bring it up, but I'm gonna so I'm gonna save it. There was a moment mm -hmm. where I felt like I needed a shower. Mm -hmm. It was so bad Hot. and just gross. I'm like, ugh, why? So, props to you, David Wall. This is great. And just a, again, a shout out to Dave Matranga who plays the younger version. Um, it was it was a lot of fun as well. Uh, I'm glad. I think I need a, okay. I think I need a shower right now. Just thinking about okay. this fucking. Okay. 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 <clears throat> I'm building myself back up to this. I kind of, okay. Where do I start first? Here I go. Uh, let's see. Okay. So first things first. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to start with Cordelia for this one. I really like uh, Elizabeth Maxwell. I actually was genuinely surprised because, like, in her flashback, she sounds a lot younger and lighter than I'm usually yeah. used to hearing her sound, which genuinely surprised me and made me think, wait, is that actually Elizabeth Maxwell? Did they hire another person to do the younger Cordelia? No, they did not. That was her. That was fucking impressive. Also, she sings good, and she does a really good job at being brooding, badass mother, and I really liked her a lot as this character. Uh... Brian Roscoe, Robert McCollum. As soon as I saw that character, I thought, you know what? Robert McCollum could do him really good. Guess what? He does him really good. He does him twice good over. So, hey, about that. You know what? I'm kind of I'm kind of at Jets camp with this, where it's like, you could probably tell, but in regards to the story, it not only does it really not add anything, it actually changes the context and makes it a little weirder. Because at first, it's like straight up, I'm in love with her, she was taken from me, and even though I'm with her again, her heart still belongs to the child that was born out of rape, and that's something that really dawns on him, and that made sense to me about why he'd be frustrated, why he wouldn't care for her, but he still cares for Cordelia and wants to stop uh, Arthur. Then when it's the twins, it's clear where it's like, wait, you're not in love with her, you want her to be your family? And your mom? That's and the thing we... that I didn't believe. That's the thing I'm That's like, wait. That's the part where it lost me. Yeah, no, she's totally a milf. Mother. She, well, I mean, she is a milf, but that's aside the point. No, it's just like, straight up, just admit that you're both into her and just, I don't know, it's called an Eiffel Tower. Make it work. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! That's one Oedipus complex. That's one Oedipus <laughs> complex. <laughs> 
Speaking of, okay, let's get this going. Let's talk let's about get David this going. Wong. Let's talk about Marquis Arthur Dublin. Albert. Fuck him. <laughs> Whatever his name is. I, okay, let me get this out of the way. David Wald, you're fucking fantastic. You are best boy. You are playing the literal worst fucking person ever. Goddamn fucking fuck, fuck, fuck this character up. Okay. Andrew, you're gonna so get his head I, restricted. I so Let's face it, Gigi. This is already going to be ad restriction. Fuck my life. I don't care. Anyways, uh, <laughs> simply put, uh, I'm building myself up to this. I got a bunch of rage going on. Okay. <gasps> Arthur or Albert, whatever. Asshole. Asshole. Asshole is kind of the embodiment of where this show basically starts rolling out of control in terms of, like, what the fuck is this trying to be and the embodiment of all of its tonal whiplash completely. He is straight up a lead, the leader of the occult society. He straight up sees a girl who's like, oh, you're of this... You're of this descendant. I want you to be mine. So kidnaps her in the street, literally takes her to his castle, rapes her as a fucking occultic blood ed ritual thing, locks her in a tower, locks the child in the tower, lets her solve mysteries and shit, and basically, like, doesn't even see her as a child or a human, as an object to benefit his will, which is actually a very common theme in the show about shitty rich people adults using children to predict the future. This is very true. Habit this is very true. Uh, fuck rich people for ruining kids' lives. Um, anyways, uh, David Wald is slimy as shit. I fucking love him. Fuck this character. <laughs> he is literally the worst thing ever. God damn it. I know you like him, Gigi, because he sounds hot and he's alpha, but he's straight up a psycho occult rapist person. I, I, I don't fuck, get it. I fucking told you he's going to give Shout Tucker a run for his money. He's that bad of a I'll dad. Let, I'll let Gigi talk about her favorite moment, but when that happens, I'm straight up like, you have just transcended time <laughs> itself to become the Sword Art Online villain! <laughs> Fuck you! Are you done now? Yes, Gigi, just I go. am. Are you, are you, I'm are you done? I'm going to drink literally all of this water for the next minute and a half, so yes. Great. So while Andrew and everyone else hates the ground that this guy walks on, he's my second best boy, very close runner up, because we all know that since Brian Roscoe fucking looks like the older, hotter brother or uncle of Lito from Diabolic Lovers. I forgot about that comparison. He's got to be my best boy. Um, however, however, these three characters are the sole reason why I started to get invested in this show, like in the last quarter of it, because I just, I had an awfully rough time getting through this anime. Um, I'll talk about it more with my final thoughts, but if it were not for these three characters and the performances behind them, I don't know what I would have done. Like, cause I just, I didn't start getting interested until the shit started to hit the fan, until all the crazy dumb crap started happening, and I could just roll around in my trash pile and forget that plots <laughs> and shit actually have to make sense, because I in the mean, last quarter of Gosick, they don't. I mean, Gigi's corner for a reason, right? Honestly, yeah. this makes so much more sense to me now. Yeah. I, I, I didn't get it at first. This makes so much more sense to me. You weren't invested in a majority of the mystery character development stuff, and that was boring you. 
So when the show straight up became a different show and became a goddamn trashy whatever the fuck it was, you're like, I'm having fun now. Exactly. <laughs> Suddenly this makes sense to me now. Okay. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you. I understand you now. I'm sorry. I mean... I still don't agree with you. That's fine. I understand you That's now. fine. Because um, at this point, I would like to indoctrinate Mr. David Wald into my voice actor reverse harem. You mean induct, not indoctrinate? Yes. Well, he could be no, a doctor. No, she means indoctrinate. Whatever. This isn't a choice. Yeah, there's not a, there's not a choice here. He's coming in. <laughs> he's coming in and he's going to fucking like it because he's a goddamn fun police. And by God, he needs to voice every fucking anime evil dilf in the known universe. <laughs> Do you know how many dilfs David Walt has fucking voiced? All of them. At least and all the ones that fucking ones, matter. This is the first time I've seen him voice an evil one. If you mixed Reiji and the dad from the royal tutor this is what you'd get the dad from the royal tutor was not evil no ragey's fucking evil though oh no you're saying the royal tutor okay now I see. yes Never if mind. you mix that you get this holy shit was it fucking hot i'm sorry <laughs> I, I am i am get your zombie voice out of here andrew was, we I already killed you once this day would come. i was wondering when this day would come i just when david I well gets inducted into the, the, the first era. like like once the fun police happened and then he just kept coming around and I was like, holy shit, how fucking hot can you get? He has reached like top tier hotness being the evil motherfucker in this role because you know me, I like asshole characters. This is like top tier asshole. Like you can't really get worse than him unless you added in. No, wait, there is a devil cult. Okay, so definitely top tier asshole. The only fucking note I wrote down for him was yes, with a bunch of exclamation points underlined three times. So basically okay. your reaction, to, basically your reaction is, is similar to how the, the rest of us feel about him. Except I'm a dirty bitch and I thought it was hot. Yes. Especially that part where he fucking bit Victorique's ear. There and then I was rolling on okay. the ground. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. So I know I, uh, you think that's hot, Gigi. <laughs> I get that. That's fine. That's but I'm going to pick up this mic and say that's his fucking daughter. Yeah, I forgot that. <laughs> if you don't pay attention to the plot or what's going on and you just recognize it for the trash that it is. No plot. You don't need to know who these characters are. So it was just fucking hot. I need a shower right. again. No, no. So yeah, okay. basically, Gigi, you had the same, essentially the same, the performance was so good, but it had a different effect on you. We all like, okay, let's just make this clear right now. I like all three of these performances a lot. Yes. My problem is with these characters, because all of these characters basically are the de facto, this is where everything flies off the fucking rails. Pretty much. But that's why it was so good. And now let me teach you about Brian Roscoe, children. Oh boy, here we go. Roscoe, my doubleman twins, double your pleasure, double your fun, who is the <laughs> best boy in this fucking show. Roscoe slash Victory Dad slash Roscoe, OTP for oh life. Well, that, okay, now that is a cursed Eiffel Tower if I've ever seen one. <laughs> I mean, you gotta roll, you gotta roll with the punches here when it comes to OTPs, because how do you make a GG OTP? You take the hottest characters in the show and you shove them together and then you have a ship. This is how my life oh, works. God. Um, oh, God. Oh, God, it just hit me. This is how and GG a cult, makes ships. And a cult, GG, GG. What? And a cult Eiffel Tower is literally just an Ouroboros. <laughs> oh, God bless. 
through the characterization in the first episodes of the show, whenever you see Roscoe, there is legitimately no way to tell that there are two Roscoes. However, once the big reveal happens, I lose my fucking shit and fall on the floor again because there's fucking two. And I'm like, oh my God, look at all the fan fiction this writes itself. Um, there's like clues that, oh yeah, he is a magician. And once you see Cordelia getting in the little robot, you're like, oh yeah, this is how he does his tricks. So how he does his tricks, obviously back in, you know, there's no Chris Angels back in the 1900s. I love fucking Chris Angel too. Um, but there's like twins. You can be twins. And that's how you can have magic by having something that is larger than life and kind of unbelievable, which is why because it's kind of unbelievable, it makes sense. Now, however, the duality between the two Roscoes was extremely good, and I owe that all to Robert McCollum, who I never really have heard in a lot of things, but my friend Meg is totally, like, obsessed with Robert McCollum, and I was like... He's good. Um, So the first not-as-mean Roscoe compared to the second really-mean Roscoe. Um, I liked the second one better, obviously, because I like asshole characters. I'm shocked. You're so shocked. Um, But... (laughs) I just, I felt for him so bad. And then when Cordelia died and I was like, oh my God, he loves her so much. Maybe not in the mom way. Couldn't buy that, but you know. I don't buy that That death all. though. I, I, that. I almost cried when he died. I was like, no. I was like, you are not taking him away from me right now. Like both of them, like in the span of 15 minutes. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> so I, yeah, um, yeah, for a tiny character and his character role was very small. He did steal the show, in my opinion. Um, and we're going to talk about Cordelia, who is best girl. Cordelia is best girl. Um, <laughs> I'm a, I won't fight you on that. She's pretty cool. I'm it's just, a, she's straight. She straight up goes Yoda I, at the yeah. penultimate episode. What the fuck? For <laughs> for the few lines that she had, um, she puts more emotion and pain and assertiveness into her performance than other characters who have ten times as more lines. She sings very well, which brings me to the point that if Victorique's mom sings really well, why doesn't Victorique sing well? Okay. Let's save that that's, for Victorique. That's, that's we will save that. Thing. Um but I just vocal cords aren't genetic. Let's just get they actually kind of are. So just saying. Um, but uh, yeah, I these were my three favorite characters. Like I said, once it became the steaming trash pile, and I say that in a loving way because there were no more mysteries really to, to figure out once everything started to hit the fan. Gigi um, loves her trash. I love my trash, and I'm very grateful to have had a little bit of trash in the show because. It just, it made it for me. It made me in, enjoy the last quarter of it more than any of the other episodes. So, and it's 98% with 2% that I'll talk about later due to these three characters. So, David Wall, welcome to the harem. I haven't decided quite what number you're going to be yet because somebody <laughs> has to get kicked out and I don't want to piss anybody off. Just put him as number 666. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alejandro's at number six now. I have to decide if he's going to stay or if he's going to move up. I think so. so long as you don't kick out Alejandro, because he'll be so nah. heartbroken. No, never, he'll never. Be so he just, heartbroken he just keeps moving up. So, uh, <laughs> David, Wald, David Wald, you are a very good boy. I'm sorry you had to play the biggest trash boy in the show, but you did fucking good as him. Mm, yes. Thank you guys for being there. 
thank you cliff for casting them because these were the best choices you could have made um yeah uh we're almost there we've been doing this forever stupid fire alarms let's go Avril, Avril Bradley, Cecil Lafitte, or Cecil, as it was probably called, Ces- and Sophie. Cecil. I- Next characters. Okay, so Avril, Avril Bradley. She is a transfer student from England, so she's the new kid, uh, similar to Cujo. She, oh boy, did she ever not stand a chance. She, she develops a little little crush on Cujo after he rescues her because initially when she's introduced. It's not her. It's this phantom thief uh, who kidnapped her. It's hidden her way into takes her. Queer on. Um, which when we get to it, we'll get to my fun little. We'll awesome. bring it up. We'll bring it up. Uh, Cecil is their school teacher at Saint Marguerite Academy. Uh, very lively and energetic. Uh, very much cares for students. And then we have Sophie. She works at the school as well. Uh, I would say she mostly works. Um, kind of like at the cafeteria as like a cook um of sorts so the three individuals who voice these characters uh i'm gonna start with sophie sophie is voiced by morgan garrett whom you have heard in series such as 18 if tokyo guru a and interviews with monster girls Kristen, 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 andrew Kristen mcguire um really <laughs> you're doing this right now i am in front of yep. everybody i yep. am <laughs> I love you, Andrew. You know I love you. Um, Kristen McGuire voices Cecil, uh, who has been in series such as Casting Town, Daniel Lang, Fuka, and Real Life. And as Avril Bradley. And probably the biggest surprise of them all among this cast. Oh, one of them, anyway. Erica Mendez, who has been in series such as Kill the Kill, Your Line, Able, and Erased. I'll go first to talk about the cutie girls. Um, uh, Sophie, uh, she gets the least to do in of these three, I feel, but she's got a presence. She's sort of a badass dorm mother. Uh, it's interesting to hear Morgan Garrett play what is essentially kind of like a tomboy character in my mind for a lot of it. But, like, she doesn't get much to do, but I like her every time she's on screen. With the exception of one part... With the exception of one part, where she literally becomes, like, the worst in a certain aspect. I was talking to you about this earlier, Steph. Yes! Um, You and I are are in agreement of this. Oh, my God. Okay, uh, Steph and I are both big theater buffs. Yes! So, So, when we got to the actual play about the life of Coco Rose, and Sophie and Cecile spent the entire play narrating, reacting, yelling, screaming, and crying. I'm like, you bitches need to get the fuck out of that theater right now. No, the best part, when Sophie had the fucking sandwich in the theater. Oh, God. I'm like, I want to punch you right now. By the way, that part is extra worse when you realize the fact that she was sitting next to the guy who yes. thinks he murdered his wife, yes. and she's narrating his whole <laughs> false great. life story that's for great. all to hear. That's great. I love that. I it's mean, like I came, I came here to have a sad time, and I'm feeling even worse. Oh, whatever. Anyways, I actually really did like Morgan Garrett. I got that out of my chest. That was my only rant. Uh, Cecile is. I really like Kristen. I really like Kristen. I think she does a really good 
job as being this very derpy, adorable teacher, but she really cares about her students. She brings a lot of personality. One of my favorite scenes is like when she's afraid about uh, the Grav Graville taking Victor Victorique again. She's like clinging to him. It's like, I'm not as scared of your drills. I got hair drills of my own to kick your ass. <laughs> I like, I really like that. that and um, maybe she fit in a truck. Uh, she's really adorable. And near the end of the Coco Rose thing, I straight up was like, I ship C Cecile and Sophie because they are basically just like gal pals and they're fucking adorable. And I'm totally oh okay, cool. I'm oh cool with them being the I'm oh cool with them being the gay. And before you judge me for my ships, I'd like to say cursed uh, cursed Ouroboros Eiffel Tower. Let's, <laughs> let, let me remind the audience. I don't judge you for your ships, no. Andrew. No, 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 no. Okay. Only remember, guys, if we learn oh. anything, only Jesus, only Jesus can kink shame you. you. Only Jesus can kink shame us tonight, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, I really don't have much to talk about those two. I think both of them do really good with the performances they're given. I want to preach the gospel that is Erica Mendez because mm. every time I hear her, I'm continually amazed by her goddamn range. It's really impressive. Because straight up, the last thing I heard her in, because I'm bringing this up like I did earlier, was Danganronpa V3, where she plays a very stoic, cold, but slowly shows her true colors like Sundere-type character in that. And she's basically a bit of a tomboy with a softer side. And... She's played that, and she also plays characters that are straight up, like, young little boys, like Gon in uh, Hunter x Hunter. And this is the other side of the opposite of that spectrum, where Avril is straight up poppy, girly girl type, bu bubbling and bursting with energy and enthusiasm, and I love her, and I wanted to give her a hug, and I feel so bad that she didn't stand a fucking chance. She, she got friend-zoned... She got friend-zoned by the ocean. The ocean! The ocean's <laughs> job You're right! You're right, she did! She throws she the bottle! She got friend-zoned like... by the ocean! No. And the ocean's job is to make sure that girls get wet. How and long then, were you waiting to ocean... say that joke? And then the ocean... All night! <laughs> All night, Gigi! Well, I think that run of eight flights of stairs gave him some energy. Uh, who would like to go next before he uh, okay, goes insane? I, okay, I know I was joking. I really like Erica Mendez. She adds a lot of energy and versatility. I'm so glad I got to hear her in a Funimation dub. You never see that. This woman has amazing range, continues to impress me. Uh, Kristen, uh, you're really good too. Same with Morgan Garrett. I just had less to say. Done. I'm done. Okay, who wants to go? I'm going to refill on water. Okay, um, so I liked uh, Cecile and Sophie a lot. I thought they were, like, a pretty interesting duo. So I was uh, pretty happy with how uh, Morgan Garrett and Kristen McGuire played those characters. I mean, I'm a little more partial towards Cecile because she was there more. Uh, but I thought, okay, but I liked them both fine. I thought they were both pretty interesting, quirky teachers. And uh, then as far as Erica Mendez goes, okay, so honestly, I have yet to hear Erica Mendez doing anything that sounds less than stellar or just about, like, anything she's done, so can't really say much other than she done good again. 
Okay, but I will say it was kind of interesting seeing her play like the sugary sweet girl when no one of her other roles have been kind of like a little bit more spunky. Uh, but it really did a great job of kind of making Avril feel endearing to me. And it definitely made me feel a lot more sorry for her during the show's run because that poor girl, she... That poor girl, she just never said a chance. Like, the moment she... <laughs> Like as far like as far back as like the first few episodes you just knew she was doomed, she didn't have a prayer. <laughs> he, he got like he got like a love triangle of blonde beauties. It was like that uh visual novel from gamers. Uh continue. I'm gonna start with Avril. And uh she has like the cutest, girliest voice I've ever heard from Erica Mendez, just um reiterating what everybody else said. Um I don't really like the character, probably because I understand her pain and the friend zone is a terrible fucking zone to be in. Um, this character is also like a little jealous brat, which I totally also resonate with. So, I mean, but I thought her performance was super cute. Like I could, I could listen to her talk um, like in this voice and I wouldn't be sad about it. Um, I'm gonna bring this up later but this is what I thought another character could have sounded like. Uh, next up, we're gonna talk about the two teachers. Um, so the reason that I could tell them apart was that I was like, which one's the annoying one? And which oh. one's the not annoying one? And no, not not the performance, just the the, the, character. the character was super annoying. So the the annoying one was Cecil or Cecile, however you want to take she, it. She was she was swirly glasses, basically. Yeah, she was the one with the glasses. Um, she's also the one where, when I was talking about the writing before, how I thought everything sounded like very period. When she was eating that cake in episode 12, I was like, ooh, she's prim and proper. And that's the only time I felt that she was actually talking in a voice that represented her age because okay. she's supposed she's supposed to be a teacher um, and that's mad props to the to Kristen's acting because it's very hard to play somebody who's supposed to be older but acts like a kid um, and just the way that she wants to make everybody get along and keep everybody involved and be like the super hyper happy character but she also has to have that kind of maturity with her so i thought that was a mad prop to her acting um so good on you girl get it girl and sophie again just like jacqueline um sophie was actually one of the characters who sounded the correct age she was cute but she was mature um and I know you guys were talking about the thing in the theater, but I really like that she was the one to narrate it because I thought her fangirling over Coco Rose was so freaking cute. Um, and she actually, and this is like something that's very kind of hard to come by for a female actress who does anime. She has a very pleasant voice to listen to. Like, I know I always say, like, about other, like, boys and stuff, like, oh, their voice is so smooth, they could read the phone book. But because of the art style and everything, for a lot of Moe anime characters, for the girls, they're always, like, this very shrill, high-pitched, kind of whiny thing. And I didn't get that with this voice for that Morgan did for this character. So I was, I was very happy about it, and I wish I could hear her in more things. I Maybe I have, I just don't you recall. Probably, you probably have. have. I probably have. You definitely have. Um, but I just, I really, I really liked her, her voice. It was very pleasant to listen to. It wasn't like squeaky off the wall, like Avril's was. Um, and 
I just I liked it like it was very nice to listen to her talk I was very excited when Sophie came on the screen and had a lot of cool lines to say so but I don't want to take that you know as props away from Kristen's acting because I don't if the character weren't as annoying to me, it means she wouldn't have been doing such a good job. So good job. I'm going to talk. I actually want to start with Sophie and Cecil too. Um, I agree with Gigi on Sophie. Morgan Garrett played it as if it was the correct age. Um, and you can tell there was distinct personality differences between Morgan as Sophie and Kristen as Cecil. And Sophie is definitely... I think Andrew described it. Uh, I think it was Andrew described it best, like a dorm mother. And I th that definitely describes it in like two words, and it was a great performance. Kristen is Cecil. Initially, looking at the press release, I, I'm like, and looking at what Cecil's character looks like, I'm like, I don't know how this works, because I've seen Kristen in other things at this point. I'm like, I don't know how this works. And then you just let her go. It's one of those situations where you're not sure, but then you let her go for like 20 minutes and it's like, okay, I gotcha. I get what you're going with here. Um, she was, she, Cecil and Kristen's character, um, very high energy and you can tell instantly, very high energy, very hyperactive, um, very positive and happy-go-lucky and very compassionate and caring. Like you could tell all of those things in that performance and it was such a fun time for me as to hear Kristen as Cecil. <laughs> and then Erica Mendez as Avril. So here's the thing. When I watched, when I was watching the introduction episodes for Avril's character, legit this is the note I wrote down. Oh, fuck, I forgot, yeah. Erica seems to be channeling Lucy Christian. Nice. <laughs> nice. And here's the thing. Remember, because remember when I was saying that um, Avril was kidnapped by this phantom thief person and then they took her place? That was Lucy Christian? <laughs> I also remember thinking, holy shit, I've never heard... Erica sound like this before. She sounds so much like Lucy Christian. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what was... I completely forgot that. I completely forgot again, that whole the, plot again, twist. Again, this is the first time I'm really getting to watch this show, like, fully. So I'm like, oh shit, Erica's channeling Lucy Christian. And then I learned there's actually two people. And legit, Lucy Christian is playing the, the masquerading Phantom Thief here. I'm like, well, fuck, there is more to it than this. <laughs> That, that's so, pretty funny. funny but, note. Yeah. Um, but I, I also loved Erica Mendez here um, as Avril. It's, again, holy mother of God, let's bring in everybody from everywhere to voice these characters. All the warriors! Let's, let's go. Um, but I really enjoyed Avril. She's also very happy-go-lucky, very spunky. And I do feel bad for her because she's friend-zoned so hard. Um, and you know it's obvious. I can't root for her because I, uh, I'll admit I was rooting for Victor Reek and Cujo, because reasons. But um, <laughs> but I did enjoy Erica Mendez as Avril. I think she was very adorable. She got the hyperactive. She got not hyperactive. That's Cecil to a T actually. She got the high energy. She got the perky personality. She got this naive outlook 
because she's very much in between all of the characters really she's the one who's probably the most into these ghost stories and these mysteries and her competitions that she's had with Victor Reek once the two finally meet each other are probably some of some of my favorite interactions um, because Victor Reek first throws a farting newt and it's the greatest thing I could ever think of for a terrible nickname uh, but yeah, I very much love these characters and these performances. Uh, do we think we're good to move on? Because we're down to three. I would hug literally all of these girls. They're great. They're wonderful. Avril deserves, like, the hottest, nicest, sexiest, richest guy in the world. Fuck. Does she deserve a <laughs> skater boy? Do skater boys exist in the 1930s? No, no, you don't get it. He didn't get it. He was a skater boy. She said, see you later, boy. He wasn't good enough. There you go. Avril Lavigne. Let's go. Oh, you fucking goddamn. Goddamn it, Andrew. (laughs) You ruined the joke. You know what? I want to be mad, but I'm so impressed at how you made that work. I learned from the best, sweetie. <laughs> I love you too, G. I love God you, bless. boo. All right, we're down to three characters. We're going individual at this point. So let's start. Oh, man. I think this is going to be the most fun and interesting conversation we might have here. At least one of them. Mm-hmm. Braville de Blue Up. He is the older brother of Victor Reek, the eldest son of Albert, Marquis de Blue Up. He works for the, he's a detective for the police force um, in Sabur, and he very often calls on Victorique uh, for her assistance, and his, ca- his character is just very, very interesting, because um, a lot of it, it's like, because his interactions with Victorique, at least starting out, he doesn't even acknowledge her, he doesn't acknowledge even her presence, he'll like, if Cujo's there, he'll just straight up talk to Cujo about shit. And Victory just listens and he never acknowledges her. So with his character eventually, like throughout the course of the show, he kind of relaxes a bit. And because he's seen as trying to live up to his dad, his father's standards, but he kind of strays away from that. And you know how we were saying how Marquis de Blua basically treats Victory as property, not a person. Graveyard starts to treat Victorique throughout the series slowly but surely as a person, not property. So it's very interesting to see that character progression. And it's very interesting to see who voices this character. Because we actually have a virtual unknown here. His name is Adam Rowe. The only other credit that he has probably possibly heard him in. I'm about to butcher the name of this show very badly. It's just as a background character in Aoi Sakai no Chu Chushin Day. Wow. The fuck is that? I don't I'll take I'll take your word for it. I don't fucking know. When I was more in- insight time. So when I was talking with Cliff earlier today, uh, and the topic, the conversation of casting came up. He actually let me know like his thought process with the casting what he wanted to do and pulling all these actors in when it came to adam rowe because i wanted to ask this question he basically answered it before i even asked it so cliff and adam have actually known each other since cliff was 11 years old 
Wow. When he was, li- when he was, was right, when he was born and raised in Connecticut. So he knew Adam had a background in theater and he had him audition. He had a few other people obviously audition for the role too, but for what he was looking for with Graveal, he felt, ob- he obviously felt that Adam was the best fit. Ironically enough, he managed to get him, Brittany, who was still in New York at the time, and one other person who was still in New York at the time, and we're going to get to him in a few minutes. Um, He managed to get all of them to fly down around the same time so they can all record their lines around the same time. And um, personally, I'm going to say this, because Cliff mentioned this to me too. I really hope I get to hear the chance for get the chance to hear Adam in more things, because he may or may not be moving down to Dallas in the near future. Hey, get it? Is he hot? Good on you! I, God damn it! What? That's the first question every time Gigi's introduced a new boy. Is he hot? Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> you knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. And um, Cliff, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, I know he's your friend, and this question came out of nowhere. Anyway, um, so now that we have a bit more background as to who Adam Rowe is, let's talk about the performance of Graveyard. Who would like to go first? Me, I me. I will volunteer for... Okay, never mind. Me. Me, 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 me. I like, I like to call this guy Blonde Space Dandy, or a missed opportunity for Ian Sinclair. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. I actually really like this performance. Yes. Um, after after I got off my salt train, which happened fairly early, like probably around episode two, which is usually not how long I sit on my salt train for. Um, like that is impressive, actually. I know, right? Um, I've never heard of this dude, but he did a really great job for a character that's very conflicted. Um, and I did feel that it it kind of could have been more over the top, especially in some of the parts where he's like talking and explaining like the the mysteries or whatever to the public and whatnot like I felt maybe that was a little bit of a missed opportunity it could have gone even bigger um but for somebody who has basically done nothing um I thought this dude did a really fantastic job um I just I I was very very happy for him welcome welcome to the club welcome to dub talk um I did think that parts of it were sort of dry, but I think that's also part of the character too. Like this was mostly like the inner monologue thoughts. Um, but yeah, wel- welcome to Dub Talk, new kid. Hi, I'm Gigi. Sorry if I scare you. That happens a lot. <laughs> Be careful. She might eventually put you in her reverse harem. <laughs> you could go there. Oh, well, it's a nice place. I would say I she know. doesn't bite, but after tonight, that's a, that's out. Of, that's sort of in question. Anyways. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> So, so, uh, Adam Rowe, uh, this is an interesting one. Mm. Um, I'll say this. When he's trying to be ham, when he's trying to be ham and he's trying to be eccentric, I think he works perfectly. And he works really well in the goofy moments when he's trying to be this sort of, like, dopey, kind of know-it-all like i love i love him every time he's in a comedic scene like straight up the shit where it's like i came as fast as i can i couldn't put my hair up i had to put sugar water in it now there's bugs everywhere that was great i love that also, was a good Gigi, scene 
Gigi, I've impressed you with that whole section without talking about how hot he is without his hair. And hair I was off. just about to say that. He has the hashtag Hisoka effect. Thank you, Shanna, for giving me that hashtag. Hotter <laughs> when the hair is flat. Okay. Anyways, I'll say this, though. I have a lot of trouble with him in some of the dramatic stuff, especially in the heavier stuff near the end. That's where it's like... I know he's a st his stage a actor, so it's very clear that enunciating and going big is definitely, like, a desirable asset for that, but I don't think he did a good job in regards to being subtle or, like, I guess more sincere when it came to the heavier stuff, like, in the show, be it, like, some of the earlier flashbacks and especially near the end of the series. I, it's it's just some, it took me out of it a little bit, but even then, I also just had problems with the character in general, cause he became a daddy yes man near the end, and it's like I'm going to help out with the weird occult shit going on, and I'm making it's like I'm thinking about it, it's like this kid probably had a fucked up childhood. Like I'm thinking about oh, how he didn't get with Jacqueline. I know exactly how that conversation must have gone, Dad. How do you get a girl to like you? Have you tried kidnapping her? Oh my god. Biting her ear, obviously. Okay, y y I can see how the conversation of romance probably didn't work out well for him because... Yeah. Anyways, I Adam Rowe, I think he's really good when he's being bombastic and eccentric. I think he does have a couple of good dramatic beats, but it's there's more misses for me in that regard than hits. Uh, Jet? Okay. Alright. So far as Adam Rowe goes. Alright. I'm pretty cool with just about every performance in this stuff, but I gotta say, this is the one I kind of gotta nitpick. Ooh, okay. So, when I look at this character, and I see his guy gets in Pompadour, <laughs> my brain is automatically set to expect him. <laughs> I did not get him. It said he sounds somewhere between a natural performance and stage feeder. And while he didn't lean toward the latter enough to sound as over the top as I wanted, I will say that his actual delivery is uh, perfectly fine. He was totally believable in every scene he was in. And I certainly wouldn't call it a bad performance. I just kind of wanted to see a little more <clears throat> if uh, that makes okay. any kind of sense, I guess. Uh, but anyway, that was kind of like the one weak link for me in this dub. You wanted yeah. him to double and triple down on eccentricity. Andrew, since you are also a fellow theater buff, I have an interesting question for you. Yes. When watching the, Adam Rose's performance, could you tell that it was very theatrical or not? I could definitely tell yep. he was going for something with that. Like, I've... I've done theater and I've done the delivery stuff. I could tell it was very similar to that. I'm not, I'm not saying that he did a bad. I don't. I'm not going to say he did a bad job at acting. That no, a, I'm just that asking is, if that you is could a tell. False oh, I could absolutely tell okay. that. It was it was very clear that like a lot of his his knowledge in the booth was very reminiscent of yes. knowing that no knowing that he was a stage actor alongside yeah. Cliff definitely adds a lot of clear context to the situation. Don't throw Cliff into that because he's never been on stage before and he will tell you that himself. Really? Oh, okay. If you watch one of the Yon of the Dawn commentaries, he will tell you that himself. Um, that is interesting. It is interesting. Actually. He's never done stage before. Um, 
Adam Rowe, like, even before I spoke to Cliff today about this, and he told me that he had done some theater, I knew that he must have had some theater background. Because you can tell with, like, the very open dramatics going on here, like, very, mm-hmm. very, what's the right way of saying this? A, a, a it's ham. Geni- it's not certain, ham. It's like hang on. He 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 has a certain je ne sais quoi. Yes, in a sense, like he's playing the character up a bit. And um, Cliff had mentioned that what he was intending was he wanted to someone have someone who has a deeper tone, but it also has like an air of youth and maturity. Um, and again, he did audition quite a few other people, but Adam was the one who ended up having the thing that he was close that he was closest looking for and in that regard i can i definitely see where he was what cliff was thinking where he was going with it and it definitely comes across i think the only issue i have is he's still a fresh face fresh voice and a fresh face in this industry the potential is there and i even mentioned this i told this to cliff too because cliff sees potential in him I definitely see potential in him for him to grow. It's not a terrible, it's not the worst thing in the world. I did enjoy it for what it is. But starting out as a new actor, at least in voiceover voiceover work like this, it was a little bit rough at times, but I did get a lot of enjoyment out of it. And especially when it came to Grayville's character growth. And again, like I was saying before, him actually himself acknowledging Victorique rather than just ignoring her and I know I I already forgot who was saying this earlier about him turning out to be again daddy's little boy in a sense um towards the end but you can still see those twinges of guilt from him like Mm -hmm. with the way that Victorique gets treated while she I, is in, I, the, in I, dad's possession, you can still see that. And I, I enjoyed I just that character liked progression. Scene. I think I just would have liked the scene of him just telling dad to fuck off. That would have been the best been thing okay. ever, honestly. <laughs> but, but, you know, murder happens. Murder, so murder anyway. happens. And, but anyways, uh, I have a perfect way to sum up Adam Rowe. Okay. I, I would describe his performance as a makeshift pompadour. It is a very entertaining spectacle to behold mm-hmm. but the, the closer you look into it the further the knots start to show themselves uh, that's fair i would say but yeah if if adam does end up moving down to dallas or that that dallas or even houston and he ends up going to sentai which i doubted he would probably go to dallas dallas i really hope he ends up in more things Man, I really want to see Cliff do stage stuff now, because that'd be awesome. <laughs> I do. I, no, no, seriously, I do too. Could you I imagine, like, too. Bakugo doing Hamlet or something? <laughs> man, man, if I could hear him doing Bakugo voice doing, like, Hamilton versus, my day is made. <laughs> Cliff, let's go right now. Start oh my as God. Bakugo. Let's Call- go with some Hamilton now. Call us on our bluff, Clifford. Call us on our bluff. Do anyway, it. We move on. Do yeah, it. no, move I just want to say really quickly that, like, our reactions to Adam Rose's performance are, like, completely different. But now that you say that he was looking for something kind of, like, 
an innocence in this character. I don't think that my salt train could have done it that way. Also, shout out to Ian Sinclair for having one line and playing like some blonde dude in this. Um, <laughs> but I, I understand that more now and his thought process behind it. Because if you want to put some kind of innocence towards this kid, which I don't really see. I don't really see this character as innocent, but hey. No, um, not innocence not the right word. Immaturity is the right word. Immaturity. Immature there would you be go. The word, yeah, because yes. you know Ian Sinclair, he all man. So Of course he's all man. Girl. No, I'm oh, just playing. Boy. No, I I, I, was, I did think he did a, a good job for one of his first times up. I mean yeah. everybody's everybody's nobody's gonna have like a perfect first time in the booth, you know? Mm-hmm. Your first time is not that great. So <laughs> I think his was better than most. Uh, it's fair, yeah. Again, personally, I see a lot of I, I see this a lot of potential for Adam here. And again, if the man moves down to Dallas, I really hope he gets to do more stuff. And I'm dude, so get excited. it. For now, let's we go. shall see. For get now, it, we shall get see. it, dude. Get it, dude. Uh, let's move on to our main characters. Our male lead, we have Kazuya Kujo. He is the transfer student from Japan who's attending St. Marguerite Academy. He's the third son of an Imperial Japanese soldier, which, by the way, shout out to Megan Shipman and Clifford Chapin for playing Kujo's siblings. Why is one of those really funny, Stephanie? (sighs) (laughs) So, Kazuya Kujo transfers starts going to school at St. Margaret Academy. He, uh, one day, he's delivering these books to the library at Cecil's request, and he discovers a conservatory at the top of the library where he meets Victorique. And essentially, he gets wrapped up in all these mysteries and all the shenanigans throughout the course of the show. The reason why Andrew wanted to pull a funny, not-so-funny segue on me Kazuya Kujo is voiced by Matt Shipman, who has been in series such as Classroom of the Elite, My Wife, the Student Council President, and I could not believe this, and I had to write this down, Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V. What? Oh, yeah. Yes, legit! (laughs) Okay, uh, I actually didn't know that Arc V one, that was the one I actually kind of remembered. I didn't know that. Legit, I didn't know that, I'm like... You lying to me. <laughs> he's in Yu- he's in like a new Yu-Gi-Oh. Um so <laughs> I think Matt Shipman is probably the other interesting one of the other interesting voices to come in here because originally he was based in New York. He um actually has moved similar to Brittany Lotta, he actually moved down to Dallas as well now. Um so who wants to start with their thoughts on Mr. Matt Shipman as Kazuya Kujo? So, this was my first time ever really hearing Matt Chipman in anything, considering I avoided the dub to Arc V, like, the plague after sitting through one episode in, like, really weird accents. Uh, but, uh, he gave me a really strong first impression here. He was really great at portraying Kujo as, like, a perpetual butt monkey without making him sound too foppy. And when it came down to all, like, the serious moments, he handled those just as well. And he felt like a perfect match for the character. I also really like Kujo a lot as a character, since at first I kind of seemed like he'd be, you know, like the typical light novel lead and just kind of be like a self-insert for all the dudes. Um, 
But his whole like inferiority mm -hmm. complex regarding his family situation really did a lot to give him some extra depth. And it made his whole like attraction to Victorique more understandable because they're both kind of bloaters and she has that like strong sense of will that he sort of lacks in the beginning. Uh, so anyway, I really dug his arc throughout the show and I'm glad Matt Chipman was able to play that so believably. Um, so, all in all, I've got nothing to really complain about here, and uh, his work here has totally made me a fan of his, so I'm really hoping this won't be the last I hear of him. Gigi, how about okay. you? Well, I know a lot of people say that, that Victorique is the central main key to this anime, and I have to disagree, because after watching the whole show, um, Cujo, played by Matt Shipman, is truly the key to this anime. Um, he could have just been, you know, the foil to Victorique and, you know, just trail her around like a lost puppy. Um, but I really, <sighs> I think he carries the show. Like, without him, it just, I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have made as much impact for me. I, his performance was really great here. Um, he almost made me cry. All the emotion in him, especially in that last episode. Um, where I thought he was dead and then I shouldn't have watched past the end credits because I thought it would have ended better if he did end up dead um, but uh, yeah I just and I, I actually felt that he was in love with Victorique like I felt that from him and I've never heard him do much of anything so Matt Shipman welcome to Dub Talk again my name is Gigi thank you for carrying <laughs> this show and All uh, right. don't don't get scared so this one might be an interesting, controversial thought. Uh-oh. I did not like this dot, dot, dot at first. Okay. Okay. So there was something about the delivery of this particular character where it's like, I, I, I'm not sure I expected something lighter, but it seemed very stilted or uneven delivery throughout, like, the start of the series. I think that he eventually picks up steam and gets into the flow of things, but I think at the start, it definitely feels a little rough and stilted. Mm -hmm. Like, that's something that bugged me a little bit in the beginning, but I do eventually think once he gets a little more into the flow, the chemistry and the actual characterization works out. I do enjoy this particular character, actually. He does have a lot going for him. Though, yeah... Uh, Matt Shipman, just give me a Matt Shipman for a second. I, he, he grew into it, and it did grow on me. I really didn't like it at first, and that was bugging me for a bit of a dub, but it grew into, he grew into it. I was, I was surprised, and I enjoyed it. Uh, now, a little thing about the character in the story that I'll make brief. I am of the personal opinion, not that he should have died, but there should have been some sort of, like, consequence or something from the war, because there is straight uh, up yes. a... Because I talked about this step earlier. There is straight up a scene in that final episode where he's like, like nearing death's door, and yes. he is, he dreams and he has no legs. Why was he, he not paralyzed? Exactly. That's something where it's like I thought about it, and it's like at the very least, I assumed that meant he at the very least lost his legs, or he like got prosthetics or something. Mm. Straight up several problems I would have had was if he was in a wheelchair, on crutches, or he straight up had Lieutenant Dan prosthetics. I mean, at the which, very least, when we see him again, his legs are bandaged up. 
that, that no, that doesn't. He, that doesn't, doesn't fucking that doesn't mean I know, I know. Here's here's my thing. I'm gonna argue against with for that real quickly. Um, you at least know. I, obviously, it's like a f- metaphor or symbolism coming into play here, of course. Um, but just before he goes into this dream, you do see that Cujo is stuck under a shit ton of rubble. So right. okay. obviously, yes. that means. What I'm getting from it is he can't move his legs. He can move the upper part of his body in his dream. Because you know how in, like, when you dream or when you sleep, obviously you move around like nuts. But he can't move his legs in the real world, so it kind of carries into his dream world. That- and, and he's, like, freaking the hell out. I can agree that, like, if... I can't agree how it was executed, though, was a bit weird for the show. Let me counter. Let, let me counteract your point of symbolism and say, you know what have been would have been even more effective? Mm-hmm. How about the symbolic image of him suddenly being the same height as Victorique and being seeing literally eye to eye to her? See, how that would have been actual, good. How about the actual symbol of the fact that he's been taking care of this is little spoiled little girl this entire time and basically realizing that through for the rest of his life now that they are together she is the one who will have to care and provide for him really coming around and going full circle. No. That would have been interesting what, to me. That's a vet- What I'm just saying, I understand what the show was going for. It's just it could have been executed better. That's, I mean, that's I the point a I'm scar from war. Like, she <laughs> lost her blonde hair. He should have lost, like, a leg or something. That's what I think. You just have to keep telling yourself that this is the time in the anime where it started being a steaming pile of trash. <laughs> well, I so mean, in I trash land, nothing anyway, fucking makes sense. Anyway. I did like that ending, though. Anyway. I didn't like the ending my at heart, all. My heart, that ending. Okay, can I can I talk about my thoughts real quickly? Yes. You can talk get... about your thoughts. I said my points. All right. We need, we need to speed this up a little bit. Um, so... I also can agree with Andrew to an extent. It w- For Matt Shipman, it was kind of rough to begin with. Because um, this is pretty much my first outing with hearing Matt Shipman in anything. So, obviously, this is going to be interesting and new for me. Going into it, it was a little bit rough to start with. But he definitely grew into the character as the show went on. But the funniest thing is, I think... And I think I had this conversation with you, Jet, originally. You want to know what Matt Shipman reminds me of? I said it was a mix of Josh Greeley and Anthony Bowling. The Anthony Bowling part really only with the like the loud yelling and screaming part. And then You know I can definitely I can see Josh Greeley. I can hear it. I'm thinking about it now and literally every time he's a whiny he's whiny and be like, Victory! It sounds just like Josh now that yes. I think about it. Oh my you god, it's it like Yuri on Ice. You? you hear it now. You hear it now and it won't get out of your head. Um, Victor, Victorique, Victor, Victorique. God damn. Boy, that that's that is an alternate universe scenario that's that I don't even know where up. to begin with that. Anyway, I'm not gonna ship it. <laughs> okay. But anyway, I did enjoy Matt Shipman as Cujo, uh, despite the rough start. It definitely came into its own by the end, and I really enjoyed it. So we got one more character to go. All Ooh, right, let's do this. Stop yawning. Anyway, I didn't anticipate fire. I say, blame the fire alarm. Anyway, so we have to go with our main female protagonist, Victorique de Blua. Uh, she, of course, is our pint-sized gothic Lolita detective, um, who is, has the. I never could quite understand what was so special about the Grey Wolves, really. Um, probably they smart and they they 
They smart. They're blonde. <laughs> they're smart and blonde. They're Great, smart, but... but they couldn't figure out the fact that the sketchy-ass maid was the murderer all along for, like, 20 years. I don't know. Oops. But, um, anyway, yeah. She gets called upon several times to solve these mini-mysteries. She ends up being pulled in by her father for this very big plot. Um, and for, like, fight fighting for power, all this political bullshit. Um... When I saw the casting for Victorique, I kind of had a wet moment. Because <laughs> I did not know this could be a thing. But then as this year progressed, though, I knew that this person could probably pull some shit off. Um, so as Victorique de Blua, we have Miss Afia Yu, who has been in series such as Suki Gakide, Reja Bahamut, and Assassination Classroom. Now... I think this might be the most interesting discussion of them all. Who wants to go first? Hmm. I want to go home. <laughs> Jet, how do you feel about Afia's victory? Okay, uh, so Afia has a pretty solid history of playing snarky, deadpan girls, and she's always been pretty good at those, so when I saw her casting here, I actually figured she'd do a pretty good job. Okay, I mean, I'll admit at first I kind of thought she sounded a little too old for victory. Uh, but she got into character almost immediately, and I thought it was a really fantastic performance. She got the bratty attitude down to a T, without making her sound overbearing, and, uh, she was really great when it came to, like, all of the deadpan delivery with some of the humor. Uh, I guess she was with all the snarky stuff, though. What really won me over is how well she handled some of the emotional stuff, since, uh, this was the first time I'd ever really heard her in, like, a really dramatic role. Uh, so she was really great all that stuff. I really liked the way the show built up uh, Victor Rick's relationship with Kujo and how he kind of yeah. gets her to open up and care about like other people and then herself a little bit more. And uh, Alfie, you got across every aspect of that arc like pretty much perfectly. And when it came to her like delivery of Victory's breakdown at the end of episode two like that, <laughs> like that, that like really hit me in the gut. That was like perfect. Oh my god. Oh yeah. I was gonna mention that. My heart. My heart. Okay, I mean, and like, I've always liked what I've heard of you up until now, but, uh, okay, but this was, this has really impressed me, and it was the performance that kind of turned her from, like, before I kind of thought, eh, she's pretty good, and then I saw her this, and I'm like, okay, like, she's actually, like, really great. Uh, so I thought this was, like, the finest work I've seen from her, and, um, this turned out to be one of my favorite performances from this entire year. Wow, nice. Sir, you, know sir, you should listen. Yeah. You should watch Suki Gakure. You need to fix that, because Afia is the female lead in that show, and she is phenomenal. And, okay. And, sim and so, yeah. I I'll just dive into my thoughts at this point, because similar to how I felt about her performance as Akane and Suki Gakure, it's very similar to how I feel about her performance here as Victor Reek. She absolutely nailed those emotional bits. Like, my heart was aching for her. I was like, oh no, sweetie. I, uh, I'm sorry your dad's a huge asshole. Um, but it was basically, Victor Reek is like a culmination, in a sense, of a lot of the typical characters that we've seen her voice. From the snarky ones to the very innocent and emotional ones, to slight trolls, if we're talking Ryo Nakamura here, from Assassination Classroom, um, 
it's like a combination of all of these other kinds of characters that she has voiced in the past. It, past, or at least, or in the future, if we're talking Sukiyakure. And it says a lot when you can pull in so many different emotions, so many different personalities, and different character traits into a single character. Because let's face it, Victorique is a tsundere to the core. Yes. And to pull this off, and to pull it off rather well, I loved it. I enjoyed it. If you would, if, before I saw things like if I before I saw things like Sukiyakure or any of the other things she's been involved with this year, if I hadn't watched any of those shows before getting into Gosek, because um, back in February when this announcement came up, I was like, wait, what? I had one of those moments. I'm like, wait, what? Why? What? What? I don't know about this. I don't know how to feel about this. And then I saw a couple of the shows where she really got to dive in with her range. And now going into Gosick, I'm I'm thinking to myself, okay, now I'm very curious. Now I really want to see what she can do with what she did with this character. And I thought it was wonderful. The one gripe I have with this performance is the <laughs> I know what's coming. Is the singing. <laughs> I'm not insulting Afia's singing voice at all. The, re so I have a the reason why I have a huge gripe with it is... Because, I mean, I, I took singing lessons before. Come on now. I have a thing when it comes to pitch. Mm. And <laughs> if it's like a song where it's like... If it's, if it's a song and the pitch is like all over the place, I'm like, oh my god... Oh, why? I understand the reasoning and the point behind that choice. I get that. But me and my ears are like... Okay. I'm, I was gonna I was, like, I was gonna ask if you thought that was intentional, that she was I feel singing. like it was intentional. Yeah, it had to be it intentional. It had to have been intentional. I feel like it was definitely intentional. It was a choice to do that with Afia's character. It just annoyed you. It was just like, why is this girl not in pitch? My brain? Oh, Why? It, it was one of those uh, things where it really bugged me, but for not for not but not for like downright hating it. It's just me. Got it. Got it. It's just me with some of my backgrounds in both theater and in music. I'm like, why? But right. anyway, I'll I'll keep it brief since I think both you and Jet summed up my thoughts pretty nicely for the most part. Like I had seen the show and stuff before, and she's played by like the iconic Ali Yuki. So it's like she had a lot to really work with. I've seen it like all the sides. You got the comedic side, you got the bratty side, you got the the stoic detective, and you got the really strong emotional beats. And honestly, I knew I knew Afia was good, but I was genuinely surprised that she nailed every single thing I was expecting and then some. And I was actually pretty impressed. Like, there's a lot to say on this character's side, whether you think it is a good character or she is justified about being bratty or not. Um, that's one thing. And she did kind of annoy me at times, and even I, as a fan of that archetype was like okay girl come the fuck on like now like people are actually trying to help you or get you out of your shit stop kicking people in the shit come the fuck on but no i think avi is fucking fantastic as uh victorique and i was genuinely impressed hey, Gigi, why do you guys you why do you guys make me be the bad end Gigi, we Ooh. weren't doing it intentionally to no. be honest i'm just genuinely curious because i really <sighs> want to hear your side all right, 
so the main reason I wanted to do this show was because I love goth lolly character designs. And this design of Victorique is basically a carbon copy with different eyes of Shinku from Rose and Maiden, which is like one of my nostalgia boner anime. And Shinku from Rose and Maiden, if you've never seen it, is a doll. She is a legitimate doll who comes to life in Victorian era clothes. She has the bonnet and everything. In fact, the red outfit is almost exactly the same outfit that Shinku wears in Rose and Maiden. Um, that being said, I didn't like the dub for Rose and Maiden because I think that these characters need to sound either one of two ways, like a little child or very regal, snooty, nose up in the air. And with this, I got a bratty Sundere. Now, <laughs> I understand that that is the nature of this character. And I did watch some of the Japanese and the tone, the tone of voice between Japanese Victorique and Afia is pretty much exactly the same. So I understand where this casting could come into play. Um, but like I said with, with Lucian Dodge, there are some voice actors whose voices I cannot, just the things, it just, it hurts me. It hurts me physically to listen to them. And I feel so terrible saying that because this performance really, besides Matt Shipman, had to carry the entire show. And I was like, in the first episode, I was like, I can't do this. Like, I literally typed in the chat, I don't think I'm going to make it. Now. Oh, okay. Now. I, I I'm And I'm like physically hurting, like panic attack inducing. Do I want to even be on this episode? Because I feel so bad. Like the guilt pit in my stomach is awful because I just didn't like Victorique's voice. I, I don't want to hear a bratty Sundere. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Sundaries in general, but I don't want to hear one again. Now, on the whole and on the regular, her acting was super on point. I thought she got all the, the sarcastic beats down, all the dry beats down, all the emotional stuff down. Um, but when it came down to it, I, I just, I couldn't. And I, I'm so sorry. Like, I just, oh. I I completely understand what you're saying. It's I, that you you actually think that she does a good job. It's just you genuinely have a problem. You were you did it wasn't a voice that you liked and it wasn't a character archetype you liked either. Yes. And the thing is is that they say it in one of the later episodes, she's a 15-year-old girl but she looks like a 10-year-old boy. And right. that's that's where it kind of clicked, but it was really sad that it clicked in the very last episode yeah, that I was like right Oh god, that's what it's been the entire time. And all the roles that I've heard Afia in have been little boys or the one role in Selector Infected that was I I I don't I don't even want to go into it. But I just, and I, I feel really like genuinely bad about this, but, and it's, it's the character it's, it, and it's the fact that I just, I, it's, I feel it's bad. It's totally okay, Gigi. Like, it's just, 
One is that you genuinely did not like the character, and believe me, I completely understand that. Like, I like this archetype, and even I had a couple of moments in this rewatch where I'm like, okay, girl, chill the fuck out. But yeah. it also just is a matter of the voice just didn't do it for you, and what it being, like, subjective aside, you're acknowledging that, like, she does a good job, it just didn't do it for you, she's and that's a, totally she's a, okay. She does a very, this is the best I've ever heard her act in anything. I just... Mm. It kind of, it kind of just kind of turned into a perfect storm of the voice just didn't seem to the 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 voice itself just didn't seem to fit, but also it's a character type you don't really like very well. It's kind of a mix of I think I just, like, I it just seems Victor like a couple Reek. of factors that it seems like it turns into a perfect storm. I wanted mm-hmm. Victorique to be a snooty French girl, and she was a snotty Sundere boy. I, I'm, I think we, I'm truly, I don't mean this with disrespect for anyone involved. Oh, absolutely, no. absolutely. No. I just, I had a hell of a time getting through this show. And I did, you like, I even switched the Japanese. The Japanese wasn't any better because it had the same damn tone of voice in it. And I was like, oh, I just... Can we, go to, can we go to final thoughts? Yes. I, I feel yeah. legitimately really? okay. awful. There You're is fine. nothing wrong with you. You're thinking that it's just in general. It was. It's. It didn't click with you. It, you're, you're acknowledging that it's good. It's just it didn't click with you, and that's totally a okay. Yeah, yes. Fine. I mean, you're you're fine, Gigi, sweetie. We we love we you. We love you. It's okay. Look, okay. people from Funimation, please don't kill me. Like They're I'm legitimately upset about this. There's this thing G- called constructive G- criticism. That's what you're doing right now. Stop it. We've I said this. some shit on Danganronpa, okay? Oh, I'm no. still alive. Yeah, he, he, he has said some shit. Anyway, we're going into final thoughts now. Final thoughts on the dub of Go Sick. Who would like to go first? Because we need to wrap this shit up. It's almost midnight. Jet needs to, to sleep. Gigi needs to sleep. Let's go. All right, I'll try and make this quick. Dub itself. Very ambitious interesting unique uh, amalgamation of a lot of different like coasts of actors and talent i'm kind of impressed with the way it worked and collaborated i it's a if whether some things works whether some things didn't is is like we complain about things being too safe and whatnot this was very different and unique and not safe and i'm kind of impressed at the decisions made and i respect clifford completely for making this happen as for the show itself rewatching it again i became a little clear about what i think i hold a soft spot in my heart as like one of the first shows i ever watched on streaming but definitely watching it again it is definitely a weird show that isn't as great as i thought it was though i realize some of the mysteries are good, some of the characters are entertaining, and I do enjoy the dynamic between Cujo and Victorique, but it's definitely, there's a couple of mysteries that are kind of weak, and goddamn does it become a trash fire, completely different show in the end, and I'm still pissed off that, like, he's not, like, crippled or anything like that. It feels like there's symbolism that's just missing. I think it's, I'm glad I revisited the show to talk about it again. It was really interesting to kind of get my thoughts on this. But yeah, uh, show aside, is a very interesting, different dub that we don't usually get to talk about some of these characters in the Funimation show. And I, I'm, I'm really glad we got to cover this. This was really interesting. Okay, Jet, how do you feel about the final thoughts of the show? I said, okay, I thought, again, I thought this was a pretty solid dub. Like, again, I've been pretty happy with Clifford Tape and track record, so I figured he would deliver, but this just went, like, above and beyond what I was expecting. And it, re- and it really impressed me on most fronts. I mean, I have, a, like, a couple of nitpicks, but, um, 
Overall, I was pretty happy with the casting choices and the script. And then as far as the show goes, like, it definitely hasn't aged as well as I would have liked it to. Like, that, like, the last four from the show gets, like, pretty off the rails. I mean, but all in all, I'm, like, so fond of it. I still think it's a pretty interesting story. I still like the whole uh, dynamic between Kuto uh, and Victory. So I still recommend it if you're curious. It's it's definitely worth your while. Gigi, how do you, what, what are your final thoughts on the dub and the show? I didn't like this show. Like, and it, and I feel bad saying this, but you know how I say, like, I don't like the show, but the dub saved it. And I don't, I, I'm legitimately crying right now. Like, I just, I feel so bad. Oh my God. It's okay. Sweetie, it's totally cool. (laughs) I just, I, I feel bad that I can't say the dub saved this show from the trash pile because the mysteries were super easy to solve like the goth lolly stuff wasn't as fashion forward as it could have been um i i do i do like all the performances i think that if it would have had more consistent writing maybe it would have either either go period or don't go period like that was a huge deal thing for me um but i i love all the chances and i love all the care that was put into this and i just i feel so bad because everybody in this seemed like they put their heart and souls into this and i don't want to like make everybody think oh my god she's such a rank bitch because she doesn't like the show or anything but i just Gigi. You're, you're allowed to criticize and not like yeah. the show or the performances. That's what we do. We're not, we did, I know like, okay, I know we talk about how much like we're, we enjoy Cliff and whatnot. If we got problems with a show of his or a decision he made, I don't want to sugarcoat that yeah. shit. If I, I'm going to say this didn't work, I'm going to say this didn't work. And that's... That's what I want to separate. I don't want to make it seem like we only like or dislike the show because we're all buddy-buddy and we think he's a cool guy. No. no. I'm going to say shit if I think shit doesn't work. Simple as that. And I think that it's totally cool and respectable and bold that you are saying things didn't work for you. And that's totally fucking fine. I, I like 75% of it. That's Yay. fine. That's a majority. <laughs> so, right away... I'm biased because again, mystery is mystery horror is my jam. But I agree that this show does have flaws. It's not the best thing in the world. But with the dub, I enjoyed it for what it is. There were some things that were very rough in the beginning, but going into it and going further into the show, you can definitely tell that every people were growing into these characters and really developing them. And like Jet and Andrew were saying, I really loved that there was a lot of tender love and care put into the show, a lot of thought put in the show. Because, and again, I was talking to Cliff about this earlier, he knew how much of a big deal this show was. He flat out knew he wanted to give it a really good dub, something very different, something unique. And in that regard, I think he pulled it off very well. He cast that wide net. He brought in a lot of factors all over the place, including his childhood friend over here. And despite some flaws, because there are flaws in the show, there are some flaws with the dub. I 
fully enjoyed it. Uh, it's may not, it's not going to be for everyone. Obviously, it's not going to be for everyone. Um, because everybody's tastes are different. Everybody has their own shows that they enjoy and things that they don't. But me personally, I enjoyed it. I enjoy the show for what it is. I very much enjoy the dub. And it's definitely one of the more strong, solid home video releases that I've seen this year. Um, and to see, to see this basically be what was worked on and recorded before 2017 started and all these other fun and awesome doves that Cliff has been working on come out. I'm just... Let that man sleep. I'm, ve Fuck. I'm very... Yeah, go to I'm, sleep. I'm very impressed. And I know some of us have planned another thing going on very soon for another... Maybe, possibly, sort of. Well... Stay tuned. Well... Film, I should say, uh, coming up in the near future, and I know mm. he's gonna pester me about that too. All right, I forgot about that too. Yeah, well, okay. I don't even know what you're referring to, and don't tell me because I feel like it's fall related. Anyways, but anyways, I've... um, I really enjoyed the show and the dub. It's very, very, it's a lot of fun. A lot of time and effort was put into this, and I really have to commend both the production staff and the cast on this. I enjoyed it, um, despite how rough it was in the beginning. If you are interested in seeing the English dub for Gosik, it is currently streaming on Funimation now. Uh, that is one option to see it. Though, hopefully at the time that this episode goes up, the problem Gigi ran into of the last episode being missing will have been fixed. No, the, I, I think the, epi the episode was there. It's just when I watched it on the app, it didn't autoplay. I just had to select no, it. No, it wouldn't. There. It wouldn't let me even select it. Like it was twenty-three episodes. I think. I think that's just Weird. technical difficulties with the site. Maybe. We'll, we'll worry about that Hopefully, later. that last episode will be up by then. Um, obviously, another way you can own, you can have this is you can actually own it for yourself. Both halves of the show were released on DVD and Blu-ray, with the second half having been released at the end of September, which is why we're recording this now. And not before that. We wanted a full review. We wanted to really cover the show in, in its entirety. So we really wanted to hold off and wait until both paths are out. Um, and I cannot speak for Verve. I don't know if it is streaming on Verve. It might be. It might be. We'll it might I not be. I don't have that. We'll, we'll check back with you later on that. <laughs> yes. And, and in terms of the Japanese, I actually don't know. Did it actually go back on it's, Crunchyroll? No, it didn't. I because I looked is. for it. Okay. It's not there. So... Previously. You can't watch the Japanese streaming. Okay, so currently yet. I don't so, maybe it'll be added later, but at the time of this recording, it is not there. Aha. Uh -huh. uh -huh. So not the Japanese at all. The Japanese is not on Funimation. No, it's English only. Aha, uh -huh. I see. So probably in the near future they'll add Gosik back to the Crunchyroll library if I had to guess then, if that's the case. Um so on that note, thank you very much for joining us. Good lord. So many things happened today. I'm not even going to plug myself. I'm tired. Good, because I'm plugging everyone, you jackass. So if you're interested in anything uh, that we that's do... That's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking quit. I'm fucking done. I'm going to bed. No. Um, if you're interested in anything that the four of us do, uh, you can follow Jet on Twitter. I was about to say YouTube. That's wrong. Um, Jet on Twitter at Divine Nega. He's also... Uh, and he also has his own blog, AnimationInfinity.com, as well as you might see his reviews on the fandom post. Gigi, she is at 
on Twitter at Anime Palooza. She also has her YouTube channel, Anime Palooza, where she does a bunch of unboxings, talks shoujo trash on a daily basis, and what have you. Andrew on Twitter, you can follow him at MangaMan9000. I don't know if you do anything else in your spare time, aside from play Di from playing Dagon Rump on a constant basis. I finished it last week, thank you very much, and I watched this in two out two days. You're welcome. I, I'm watching a Let's Play of it, okay? And it's not done yet. Um, and as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelt like a musical review, not a standard review. Uh, and if you want to see any more shenanigans from Dubtuck in general, uh, you can, you can of course, the easiest way to do that would be subscribing here to the, our YouTube channel, uh, where we put up videos every week. Sometimes twice a week, depending on what's going on. Uh, we also have a Twitter at Dubtuck Podcast. We have an Instagram, Dubtuck Podcast, and Tumblr, Dubtuck Podcast. Everything is Dubtuck Podcast. Now, because Jet really wants to go to bed. Also, we, this is technically still a three-hour recording at this point, even with fires and, and stuff. Yes, pretty much. I'm gonna and I just want to say real quick before we go, because I don't what's remember up? if I said this or not. What's up? As the show progressed... I did get more and more used to Victory talking. Like, okay, it, okay it you did not say that, yeah. It, yeah, I as it progressed on, and especially towards the end, I did like it little bits and pieces more. But, Yay. like I said, I, I, that's all. Your point still stands, I understand. Yeah, yeah. It, it took a minute, I can understand that. Um, Sorry, I was sobbing. It's okay. <laughs> We got this. Um, as for anything upcoming, I have no idea because at this point, this is probably going up the beginning of November. Oh my god, if this goes up on, my, on or close to my birthday, I'm going to be very excited and very weirded out. Um, Happy stay birthday, tuned. Stuff. Stay tuned. Shit. Fall's around the corner. Fall is Enjoy around the, it. Fall is around the corner. At the time of recording this episode, we have the survey going up. By the time the episode goes up, the survey will be closed and you will probably find out by now what we're going to be covering Dear God, is it going to be interesting? Because I'm probably going to be like six or seven shows. It probably. Sounds like. And right now, I'm really the only one who knows what's going on with the survey. Because I haven't really told oh, anyone. You, you and she's a fucking tease. She hold, she's such a tease. <laughs> and she holds all the fragments of chaos that keeps us well under check. And on a final note as well, thank you to Mr. Clifford Chapin for giving us a little bit of insight on the show as well. Uh, you are a very awesome person. Now go back to we, sleep. Go to sleep. Thanks, Dad. Go we the promised, fuck to sleep. We, we were actually not paid to do this. This no. was straight up like a favor. Like we we favor. All, all said and done. Favor. I got pestered for months about this. Okay, well, we knew favor. we were gonna do it. We you're just it the willingly. one who got the brunt of the pestering. Yes. Which is good yeah. because you're the you're the leader of us, so I'm glad you had to deal with all of Cliff's own fragments of chaos. Yay! I wonder what he's gonna pester me about now. Woo! Anyway. I hope it I hope it's the sister show, because I've got a fucking <laughs> laugh if it is. No, legit though, Cliff. I don't care if you pester me about things. It's it's always fun talking to you. And I should have said this earlier. If you want to ever hang out with us and do an interview or anything like that, you are more than welcome to. You just let me know and we'll get that, that get that set up. Just saying. Please, okay. come play with I, us. I, I, we come are, play we are with done. us. We are done. We're going to bed. Jed is tired. He is quiet in a corner. He's done. Everyone needs to sleep. We're going to sleep. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a good night. And as always, otaku on, my friends. She's